Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Okay, we're good. All right, um, everybody, this is episode 78 of the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, two things. We have two firsts here today, which is kind of cool. It's our first, I already told you guys, it's our first um, sports field people, coaches, whatever, um, and also our first husband and wife we've ever had. Oh. So this is different. So, so I have I have Tanya Armelino, and then we have Franzi Noze. Yes. And I pronounced both correctly because uh, my pronunciation is usually terrible. So um, Tanya is the head coach of the Plastic State women's soccer team, and Franci is the assistant head coach. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. But is it like a co-co? I mean, you guys are pretty like i mean i'm sure you work pretty closely together so it's 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 probably more title than anything else but i'm sure you guys are um, a well-oiled machine so um so anybody that does not know you guys however whatever direction you want to start but introduce yourselves kind of where you came from how you get to 2020 tanya and francie and then we'll just we'll just roll from there so go ahead you want me to take it away first you can can start first (laughs) um (laughs) both uh from connecticut and Franzi can tell you where he's originally from, uh, Haiti. But, uh, you know, that's where I was born and raised in Southern Connecticut. And, you know, played college ball, went to Rutgers. Um, and then been went to law school, University of Miami School of Law. And then ended up uh, coaching soccer, college level, for the last 13 years, going on 14 years. And been at Plattsburgh State for six years. So the time is flying, and Franzi and I, if you want me to tell the story, Franz, met at Connecticut College when he was coaching as an assistant on the men's side, and I was on the uh, assistant side for the women's soccer team. And is that UConn? Oh, no, Connecticut College, Division Three, NESCAC. It's New London, Connecticut. So they play in Middlebury, Amherst, Williams Conference. Did you have... Any player from Shazy on your team? Yes, yeah. we did. Austria okay. Kempinen. Yes, I know. Austria. Oh, that it was she amazing. Went school, she went to my school. She's, she's she's a little bit younger than me, but she's a great girl. She yeah. is amazing, and when it's funny. She was funny. a sophomore when you were no freshman, freshman when we year. freshman. Oh, when so I you had her all the way through. She oh. was like player of the year one year. So her fourth year was, and finally her senior year, we were first years at Plattsburgh State. Oh, so, so you left. Two, we left, and she was an All American that year, and they won the NESCAC championship. And you were the head coach or assistant? I was the assistant coach, Norm. Riker was the head coach on the women's side. He was coaching in Ohio at Wittenberg when I was at the University of Dayton. And he said, I know you're trying to get back home. Will you come with me to Connecticut College? And I said, yes. Okay. Well, go ahead and we'll talk about, I'll talk about Austria because she's a Shazy connection She's amazing. She's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mine is similar. So I was born in Haiti, came to the U.S. when I was 10 years old. So I've been living in Eastern Connecticut, North Connecticut. Some people may know like Mohegan Sun or Foxwood, so I'm like probably like 20, 30 minutes from both of the casinos. And I went to NFA, then I went to, I stayed in Connecticut like throughout my college and soccer career. So after high school, I went to post universities in Waterbury, Connecticut, 
is a Division two school, so I played there for four years. And then right after graduation, I went, played a little bit of semi-professional soccer in California, Palmdale, California, for like probably like three months. Then I came back home, and that's when I started coaching too. So I reached out to the uh, Connecticut College head coach at the time. They were looking for an assistant coach. It happened to be perfect timing. I didn't know Tanya at the time, but <laughs> I happened to apply, and then I was uh, I was offered the position, so I took it because it was like, 15 minutes ride from from Norwich to to no London Connecticut so I took that job just trying to get my foot into like the co- the, the coaching world and then everything was history from then I met Tanya and me and my my wife my future wife and not <laughs> knowing where. I know well that's what I was going to ask like, had you met and that's I yeah. didn't know if it was I mean there's Connecticut connection yeah. obviously so yeah. and we coached you a little bit at the club level at Con College before our relationship got serious and stuff like that but we were coaching like you, 14. Yeah, we did 14, girls 15, together. 16 girls. Together. And I was like the head coach for the U10 girls. So we were working for the same club. So, in terms of coaching together, I think that's where it all started. Yeah. Like us working in that environment together. And then when Just she. Flicked. Yeah, when yeah. she got the job at Plasford State, and we knew like Karen and Chris, they done it like our opposite side. But mm-hmm. it was great that, you know, some school they let you work husband and wife, some don't. So Plasper was one of the schools that allows you to do it. So it was perfect. You know, when she got that job, then I applied for assistant position. Then I ended up getting it. So since then, we've been working, working since 2014. Together. So so um, how was that working together, husband and wife? <laughs> I mean, now, because obviously you came, you weren't, I mean, you were on two different sides, like men's and women's program. And then yeah. you kind of merged. And now, um, I guess... I coached soccer at a time. My wife, as you guys know, Gina, coached soccer at a time. We've never coached together. I don't know if we would be good or bad together. Um, I think you'd be good. I think we'd be okay because I think think I'm probably more like you. And I think Gina's probably more like you (laughs) where – if, if, I've, if I'm reading it correctly, Gina's a very way more competitive person than I am. Not to say you're not competitive, but I think that you you probably are like me, kind of a little more laid back. And I, I don't I, – I think we would court – me and Gina would have done well together because I think she's – we balance – that's why we're married. We balance each other <laughs> pretty well. So it, it works. It's true, right? We're not, we're not really like too strong-headed of each <laughs> yeah. other. So how, how is that dynamic, coaching with, with spouse? Yeah, I think one of the things that makes it easier for us is, you know – even at Plasper State, is just a title. Like, I am the associate head coach. So a lot of time, it's both of our input, some of the decision we make. But I think the biggest thing we that's been making us successful in the past is that she went to Rutgers, and she was a phenomenal defender. So the, def- the defensive side of the game, she knows it in and out. And I was an attacker growing up. So, so we can split the team up. Like, give me the attacker, she take the defenders. And, of course, we know exactly what we're working at, and then we can go at each other. So I think that's been really a good dynamic in terms of, like, both of us have different great background and specific positions. That helps, too. That helps yeah. a lot. Do you, when, do you find that that plays into maybe the philosophy of soccer or coaching? Because, again, I was a defender, yeah. and, uh, you know, I had a defensive mind when I was – I say defensive mind, but – um, you could obviously do the whole field. I mean, I know all you know every third of the field yeah. you, you'd be coach, but do you find that there's stuff that maybe rubs off on you as a defender versus an attacker, and how does that play in? I mean, for us, I think you know it's great, and you know it too, right, Galen? When you play your position, you just 
you know it, you live it, mm-hmm. you breathe it. And uh, I think that was always for us. Like Franz, Franz, he likes to go to goal. He likes to hold the ball. He likes it at his feet. As a defender, I love 1v1 defending. I love playing as a four-back, as a unit. So it's been, I think, for us, right, like that piece of uh, – um, when and it should start off. We like the same style of soccer, so we love the ball yeah. on a gra- the ground. We love building from the back. We love love possession and technicality. So that is where both of the whether you're attacking or you're defending, it's the same thing because we're talking about building the same. And then we get to do the little nuances of how to defend and where to defend and where to take the lane when you're you know you're going forward. But I think that's where the balance really begins is that we have the same vision of the game to start. Now, when you guys go into a program, so you went from, and you guys have jumped around, cause I, and I guess to give a little more background on each of you, Tanya, and you guys both the seventh season at Plattsburgh, but you coached, um, again, connect, well, actually, you go all the way back, was it Kenyon College? Kenyon o- College. Ohio. Gambier, Ohio. <laughs> there you go. And then you went to University of Dayton, so Correct. a D1, then yep. you went to Connecticut College, yep. and then you came up to Plattsburgh State. Right. Um, and then... Franzi uh, played at post, and then you said you did some club soccer, and then you ended up going to um, Connecticut, yeah. and then Connecticut up to Plattsburgh. Um, so how, how do you guys adjust going from going into a new program? I didn't realize it's been seven years. Yeah, going like, into that seventh cause, year, cause this I, is now six years we've been here, yeah, going into the seventh season. Because I graduated from Plattsburgh um, 2011, right. um, so Karen was there forever, and, yeah. and Gina yeah. had Karen, and I just... Karen and Chris were just, you know, the Waterberries and, and were just the coaches for the right. longest time. Right. And it's kind of one of those deals like when you've like, oh, yeah, that happened like a couple years ago. Well, really a couple years ago is 10 years, you know, just your mind, <laughs> everything blurs <laughs> yeah. together. Absolutely. So seven seasons, <laughs> I, I can't believe you guys have been there for seven seasons. Um, but how was it going into a brand new program and really um, taking the reins of a program or from a coach that's been there for a long time? And then, because obviously things change. People have different styles, um, coaches have different styles from over as the game evolves. Um, so how is that going into a brand new program starting kind of, I don't want to say gra- you know, level one, ground zero, whatever you want to call it, but you're going in and putting your own spin on it and then building it up from there. So how is it going in year one to where you guys now are going into year seven? Um, like the evolution of, of Plastic State Soccer, at least on, under your tenure. Yeah, I think when we started, um, first, you know, Karen was amazing and available and just welcoming, which makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen had uh, been there, I believe, 24 years before we were walking through the door. So I always kind of, I went in just with the mindset of respect and and admiration for what she built, how great Plattsburgh State women's soccer was and had been. And, and so kind of going off, like, let's build off the tradition. Mm-hmm. So that was huge. And then she was just welcoming there for any information, you know, being able to fill me in. And then whomever the coach was, she was giving 43 players to. So it was like there was a big group of talent that we had this total blessing to walk into and you don't always get that what year was it this was was 2014 and karen had recruited a really big and what ultimately is like one of the most talented classes in i I would say since since we were here and then certainly in the program history and she she was the one who had this really big class really talented young women and then the returners were very talented so we, I'll never forget that preseason of 43 women, young women, 
But it was like, okay, let's just, you know, make this team and go for it. So when we went in, I mean, you go in with your own style and your own vision. So I definitely went in cold in terms of, I just want to see how everybody plays. And Franzi and I kind of said that from the get. We didn't want old video. Uh, just in terms of coaching, we were just like, let's go in. Let's see what everybody Fresh has. Eye. Fresh slate. eyes. Yeah. Total clean slate. And yeah. uh, whether anyone played or hadn't played, we didn't know much. We literally kept ourselves kind of blind of that for a reason. And then, like I said, Karen gave us the lay of the land in terms of you know, just the overall program and what they had done in travel and what, but then had also left us this incredible pool of talent. So I don't know, Franz, if you think anything of that, but that's kind of how we took it. Let's go fresh eyes, but also yeah. get the basis of the program. Yeah, I think that team too, like that, you know, the first year, of course, we, we got into the SUNYAC just... We didn't care who we played against. There was a lot of rivalries, like <laughs> in the past that we didn't know in terms of like class versus. You're team, very like, green to the yeah. We totally yeah. were. We just like we wanted to win, yeah. so we we're like, oh okay, this is great. We beat them, but we weren't yeah. sure what that meant. Even at the like time. I think we beat Oneonta for the first round. They were the defending champ. We had yeah. no idea. To yeah, be they, they have a powerhouse. <laughs> they were, they, so, in the past, so, they were definitely very good. No, very very good. Always yeah. strong. Yeah. yeah. But that team was like a special team. I think we still remember them because yeah. uh, they. They were just great team and on the field. Like, they were ready to listen. They were ready to learn. And I know some people in the past that was on the team, like like the rising seniors, they haven't been to the playoffs. So that was something that they wanted to get there, too. I think we were able to help them get to over that bump. So I think they were, like, happy with, the, you know, beating Oneonta in the first round. It was a PK shootout. We still remember that moment. Oh, that was hilarious. So yeah. now, like, <laughs> that's one of our seniors saved, like, three PKs. Forced to make it to the and Daniel Schmidt. Yeah. I feel like we won like a national championship, but, yeah. like, senior but goalkeeper. That, that experience is something that we still talk to, oh, yeah. to now. But that was yeah. great for that group. But they just wanted to win. They just wanted to, you know, get to the conference playoff and make put Plasper on the map of you know tops top program in the state. And that's something we've been fighting every year, making sure that we we make sure that stay consistent and making sure we're in the top. You know, top two, top three in the conference every year, competing for conference championship. And that's something we haven't done yet. We've been close, but we're hoping to get that done. Get what, the W. <laughs> SUNYAC's, what, about 10 or 12 um, teams in the Ten conference? Teams. Ten, Ten teams. Ten teams, And yeah. how many make it the, the SUNYAC playoffs at six? Six. six yeah. Top okay. two gets a bye. Gotcha. Yeah. The, the bottom what, four plays first round quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. Yeah, that's what I thought. So and you, since you've started, you've always made the SUNYACs, which yeah. is correct. So that's – and then – um, obviously the goal at some point would be to win the SUNY X and you guys have, again, I, I mean, I was going by the stats and stuff, but you guys have had a good team and we, um, we tried it last year. We watched a few games, um, partly because we knew, uh, Kirsten, yeah. who's a local yeah. girl that we knew, um, playing and now, uh, my son loves soccer. So we always, we still drive by the field and he likes just looking at the field. <laughs> so the best. yeah, we're, we're hoping, um, we're hoping our, our, maybe our sons will be playing on the sidelines where we, during the game and they can <laughs> awesome. can't wait for that. Kind of keep each, wait for kind of that. gives us kind of like their own babysitters. They yeah, can kind of yeah, hang out. Take care so, of each other. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's, you know, so we're hoping to catch more games, but it's a fun atmosphere. And I think watching, you know, the girls play and, um, you know, I th winning a conference championship would be really cool. And, and do you, do you get to host the conference championship as the top seed still? Is yes. That still so as long as you're that, so we, we've been fortunate. So the last five years we finished in the top four, one of those years in the top two. And then when you're, say if you're, you know, three or four, you'll host the quarterfinals against yep. five or six. And then 
if you keep being that highest seed, you'll host. So we got to host the semis in 2017. We went to the semis, but then we faced the number one, which was uh, um, uh, we we were up against Geneseo, Geneseo. and we had to go to Geneseo. So they were the top seed. So we're still waiting to host that championship. So they don't do the final four at one location anymore. No, always go to the top seed of of the matchup. Yeah, I remember they used. I think they do. They used to do the final four at Oneonta. Was it? Yeah. I think they used to do it in that, and I think they were saying same, but that was before our time. And yeah. so when we came in, they always just did higher seed. Like when we played that very first year, sort of learning about it, we went to Oneonta for the quarterfinals. So we were just because I think we finished five that year. Yeah, yeah, and, and so we that was our very first year. Did, like did, just, did you guys play at the Hall of Fame fields, or did you play no, at the college? At the college. At the college. Okay. At the college. Because we, we played the uh, the Hall of Fame fields are like if, again. Anybody from Shazy, it's like near and dear to your heart because you used to have the state championships there. Oh, so they had that's these awesome. four. I mean, they were beautiful back in the day. This was when the Hall of Fame was actually still running. Yeah. And that's where you went and played. It was kind of like a Woodstock of soccer because there's really no, there's some bleachers, but not a ton. So yeah. the f- fans just lined the field. So it was kind of, it was like <laughs> a awesome. really cool atmosphere. But you were seeing like, we were a small school. We were D, uh, class D. You'd see like a class double A playing, which was oh, like, awesome. I mean, big, big school. Yeah. So, um, so it was always a treat. Um, I gotta I, get over there. We haven't yeah, seen that haven't yet. Seen that. I don't know what it looks like now, but they had four yeah. really nice now, grass fields. Now they have like a brand new turf on the onto on the main campus. It used to be grass when we the first year started. Yeah, there. yeah. So how does Plasberg's facility line up with the rest of the SUNYACs in regards to? I mean, it's a pretty nice field. I, in my eyes, I mean, but yeah. you guys see a lot of fields. I thought well, it was really funny. I always think about back to my interview, and you know, going through memorial, looking at the school, and I'll never forget. And this is even before the turf was redone, because the turf was redone in 2014. Mm-hmm. So we played half of our season at Plattsburgh High School. Uh, we were making do out is, on the grass fields yeah. of Memorial. I mean, we were making do. We were just it was. That's why that year I think is also yeah. super memorable because it was so crazy. Playing in but the dark. I remember that interview. <laughs> oh, like, behind the behind the memorial. One we did behind the memorial. Yeah. We did PHS. At 6 a.m. Uh, the Wait, lights weren't on. 6 a.m.? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to play a game? To no, play practice. Pra- I just practiced oh, because wow. the field was being redone, the art turf. Yeah. We I, we still laugh. I mean, it even made the highlight video that year, us warming up in the pitch black and saying how we couldn't see each other. Um, because so the, sun, the sun didn't rise The yet. sun didn't yeah. rise, and they didn't want to turn on the, the lights that early, understandably. So we, we may do, but I always remember that interview of just standing on top by the press box. That Now it's a new one, but the old one at the time, and going, oh, this is nice. Like, this is really nice. And then with that, it was the new turf and scoreboard and the covered benches and fencing. You're under the lights. I mean, yeah. I think it's definitely one of the best places to play. I mean, we love screen. it. We love it. The wind screen I was gonna say, they, they've given it a face facelift over the last couple of years yeah I think it's a cool looking field i think so too I mean, we do we say it all the time we're like every time we come out i think the, the team always feels like come out of that tunnel and you're just right on that pitch and, and it's where we practice too and so, i think the biggest thing too is like the support the community support yeah, we get it's awesome. like our team they do well over the past seven years a home record is great like i think the team understand that how how much support they get yeah we get at least over I would say 16 plus uh, fans at all games, which is yeah, it's really, over 100 really on, a, on an average. Oh, I would, I would think, yeah. yeah we went least. to a few last year, and usually yeah. the the yeah, I would say you have yeah. At, well, yeah, I'd say be even close to a couple hundred. Overall. Definitely 100 yeah. to 200, I'd mm-hmm. say on average. And then there's games. I remember we played Castleton 
two years ago at home and it was a Tuesday night kickoff game and there was like 400 plus people there and you're going, this is wonderful. <laughs> like, this is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like, you just, you're grateful well, it for must, it. I mean, it must be... I would think playing in front of more people gives your at least gives the girls a little bit more like wow there's a big crowd here because I mean it, naturally you want to that's your time to shine and time to kind of show off all the hard work so when you have a big audience that's that's yeah. cool so that's it that's it you it, you feed off of it 100% yeah, yeah. How, how do you find the how do you find the crowd at a D3 level again at like Plattsburgh to, in regards to just the atmosphere obviously bigger games you get more people which is fun but you guys obviously can hear the crowd I would think a little bit probably not each person saying something, but I think the general, the noise and the buzz, yeah, the applause. I mean, you feel. I think for us, I mean, I got it. when I'm when I'm under that, you know, in front of the covered bench. I mean, your coach at Franzi and I are just, you know, we're we're hilarious. At the, I think we're easy the, to mute that. Yeah, we're just, just like, the and then the girls would be like, "Oh, did you hear this coach?" Like, oh no, I didn't hear. That. Like, because you're 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 so. But but you, I mean, we always talk about 2014, our first year. We're playing Oswego in the rain. And again, we don't we're learning about our opponents at this point. We go down two nothing. Uh, we tie it up uh, and then we go into halftime and we're down two nil and we go in the second half and we come back, we make it two one. And you know, it's raining, it's the weather's not and we end up tying it. If I do believe it was Brooke Knight from Plattsburgh yeah, yeah. who and she's playing she's a freshman year she's playing at that point she's playing up top she ends up becoming like an all-conference and all-region center back but she started up top yeah. and she gives a, a game tying goal with maybe a minute and change on the clock and at this point I'm standing off the bench and all of a sudden I just hear these cheers like and I turn and the place is jamming like it's packed and I right then go, wow, this is amazing. Like rain, we're down two nil. Like I'm under the bench just trying to, with Franzi, we're trying to figure out, it's like, we got to win this thing. Gotta, and for her to do that game tying goal and to hear it just yeah. being off from the bench. and her, I, Especially her being a local player. Local too, player right? was yeah. so cool, but you felt the love. I mean, it was amazing. And I thought Plattsburgh's pretty, I've been to division one games where there's literally 20 people in the stands. So you felt it. Well, I, yeah, I've been to one – I went to one college game ever. We were actually going to Notre Dame for a football game. I'm a big Notre Dame football guy. So we ended okay, up – Okay, okay. We lucked out because we went on Friday, and we went to go watch the pep rally, and, or maybe it was Thursday and whatever. The first time we got there, they just happened to have a soccer game, and it was a men's game against Pitt at the time. So we went to watch the game – same thing. I remember the pace of play was so fast yeah. at D1, yeah. but there wasn't a lot of people in the crowd. So right. it makes sense because you got to think too, a lot of these big colleges, it's not, I think for a lot of your players, they still get some family that travel into the games. Cause you're, I mean, most of the kids are pretty semi-local. I mean, regionally they're local, right? I mean, half and half. So you get like, we got a, a bunch of kids from Long Island. Um, so you get some that are that five to six hours away yep. and then you'll get it within, I would say the other half is within three hours. Three hours, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so you kind of get a, a little bit, we got a lot of Long Islanders at Plattsburgh, which is amazing. So you get a, but still in the state mostly. And So, so when it comes to recruiting, like how, how, when does recruiting start for you? I guess it's always going on, but like when does it, when's your big push for recruiting? How's that process work? Um, how does D3 recruiting work? Because you always hear like D1 recruiting is obviously different, but yeah. Um, you know, cause there's no scholarships in D3. So how do you, what's the recruiting process like? Uh, for us, like I think most of the Sunnis are in the same boat. We go year by year. So right now, our biggest class we focus in on is the 2021 class. Our 2020 class is already done. Uh, we got that done actually a little bit earlier than normal, which was awesome for us. Yeah. Not knowing like 
with, with COVID happening. Mm-hmm. So all so class was already lucky. done very by lucky. like, yeah. I would say by most of 90% of the class was done by December. 19, there was a couple yeah. kids that came in later that was just waiting to decide, you know, financially and or whatnot. But right now, our main focus is 2021. Of course, we would watch a 2022 grad, but our main focus is trying to make sure we we get as many kids as we can see and stuff like that for the 2021 class. But I would, to answer your question, we basically go, I would say, year by year. Maybe year two around. years if we can fit it in. But. So are you watching more club tournaments? Are you watching more high school? Or are you watching, like, how does that work when you go watch? Like, where do you, one, where do you find kids? Where do you find, like, where... Do you know what schools to go to? I'm sure you guys have a pulse on, you know, the state's level um, in different states, obviously, not just uh, New York. But, um, like, do you guys – I'm assuming you go by that, probably looking at what, what schools have a good soccer program, maybe talking to – you. Pro, I'm sure you have feelers out for different regions with coaches and relationships to, so like, hey, who's who's a couple of players that we should watch almost kind of at a – a lo- more local level. Um, so, I mean, how does that work? We're trying to find, and don't give secrets away if you have like connections, oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, like how does, oh, oh, I guess overall, like how would that work with trying to find, because again, you're talking, you know, you're going down into a high school level where you're trying to find kids that are playing probably at either small schools or schools maybe you don't hear a lot about, or even you can have phenomenal athletes at a school you've never even heard of. You're like, wow, this, this girl's amazing. Yeah. And they're kind of like a surprise, not, not the player, but just where you found them. No, where you, we, I mean, we've had a couple of those too that, you know, someone, you, you get a, uh, a young woman coming in and she was on no one's radar and all of a sudden you're, yeah, they're, they're your all conference player. We had a, a goalkeeper Franzi actually saw with uh, Gene Bushy. He was our, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, our our goalkeeper coach at the time, and they went. And this is where it really kicks like off class for us. D, in the like the lowest class in New York, yeah. so, which is tough because you got like Poland. She yep. was from Artport, New York, which yeah, you know you don't I know about the names. That was the guy. We actually played Poland. 2005 and seven state championships. So you know it well. And Poland Poland usually does. Yeah, yeah, they do well. They're very yeah. They do well in that little small like Adirondack town. That's it. And and so Nicole Gibson, she ends up being a two-time All-Conference goalkeeper for Plattsburgh State. Literally, and she's near Brockport, uh, Arkport, which we learned about. She'll always laugh about it as well. And they see her, and they're just like, "Wow, this girl!" You know, we need and we needed a, a, a goalkeeper and. And, and here comes Nicole, and she ends up choosing Plattsburgh. She was looking at one other school and just was like, yeah, I want to play, and just comes and tears it up and graduates early in three years with a um, a 4.0. I mean, one of those kids, and you're just thinking, she's one of the best goalkeepers in our conference. She gets <laughs> recognized as such, and literally just right under the radar, she didn't play club. She only played yeah. high school. Yeah. And she played three other sports, so she did basketball, softball. Softball. So, you know, when you're at the small school, they need athletes, so she was athletic, so she did everything. Kid. So yeah, club soccer was never something that, well, that she did. That was like did. Austria and, when she went. I mean, Shazie's yeah. a small school, and she was a, she played hockey, she played soccer. Yes. She was a couple years younger than me, but, but super smart girl. I mean, oh, so, so bright. But it's like you, you take these, these kids that are so well-rounded, but they don't have the exposure maybe at the club level. And I think she might have played like some local club stuff. But yeah, yeah. Probably not, you know, probably not like some of the bigger schools, like as you get to the B, C, double A schools. Yeah. Uh-huh. That well, with Austria, I think of her, which was really funny to, uh, you know, my family has a, a farm in Ellenburg. So we had been coming up here for years. But when Austria came from when I was at Connecticut College and we were at Connecticut College and Austria, here she is in her freshman year and she's from Shazie. It was like we laughed because my first year at Plattsburgh, I'm texting Austria. I'm at a Shazie high school game. 
I'm going, hey, I'm on your old stop and ground, you know. So it's amazing how it's sort of all tied in and unexpectedly. And if she went to Connecticut College and obviously an All-American, then incredibly. But like you said, that's where I think for us, we always, we definitely look local. So it's important for that. Like when you have young, talented people in the area, you're going to those high school games more than anything because our you know seasons are so busy. Yeah. So if you can see like Avery Durgan is going to be coming to Plattsburgh She's State. Beekman Town. So we would go. We saw those Beekman Town high school games. And, and Beekman Town's got some good girls. One, wonderful. Yeah. And I remember actually we our, our running joke is our 2014 when we saw Kirsten Villamere as a uh, as a freshman yeah. at Beekman Town and we're like. Okay. Oh, she's yeah. We're <laughs> just like she's she's excellent, and then yeah. got to know her over at, uh, of course, at Nordic and her family. But we saw Callie play that year as a senior. I mean, amazing. So we go there first because we love local yeah. talent, and you know people who want to stay and and be here. We had such, I mean, such uh, amazing luck with like Brooke Knight and mm-hmm. and you know people that were just Madison Trombley. Like yeah, people probably. played. At Plattsburgh, well, I think the you know? conversion level for some of those kids might be easier too, because again, some some of those kids like the area or have family in the area, so to go to, and again, to play at Plattsburgh, a school that they've grown up watching, and then like, wait, I can actually play there too, which That's I think it. is important because I, I also think it gives once you start getting some of those girls in and they have success. So if you get like you said, Brooke Knight in, well, then she's got girls that played with her that were under her a couple of years. Well, then they look at her and like, wait, well, I can go play at Plattsburgh too, yeah. Yeah. and hopefully yeah. they become kind of a recruiting system because they show they've done well and then we want to follow in their footsteps and that's it that way we were lucky you know we that's it you think about cammy kaiser you think about katie matat tina Badar. like yeah, we yeah. were so lucky i mean and then you know Lindsay kaiser had an incredible career before we got there and then we were so lucky to coach cammy i mean yeah. we were so lucky just had amazing local uh young women but choose to like you said the play for the school they had been watching and now with kirsten still on the team katie matat just graduated as an all-conference forward tina was bedard was on the team uh amazing just incredible leader so we were just we've been so yeah. lucky so we look local 100 percent. go to those high school games see what and you like you said you get a buzz too and oh tanya and Franzi, did you see this person so that's kind of where it starts for us i feel like and i think our biggest thing to when we look local for the players is our biggest thing is like we want to keep someone we, who, who we know could help the team out because mm-hmm. especially like if you're a local player you're going to stay you're going to make sure you can compete to play yeah, type definitely. of thing so i think that's the biggest thing when we do go out for a local player we know they're talented enough to play at mm-hmm. all level and we know some of them can come start right away maybe get minutes right away so i think that's the biggest thing so we do look at those players we don't just try to keep anybody local just to stay because the college experience for anybody is big so you know, you can play somewhere else. Doesn't mean you can play here. But our biggest thing is bringing those local kids who are talented enough to, you know, to get minutes, to get that college experience everybody wants, to be able to play and enjoy your four years and stuff like that. So would you, would you go in say say hypothetically you have some really good forwards and midfielders and you're like we need defense and we need a goalie. When you go to say recruiting wherever you go, whether local or, or out of the area, um, are you just going and looking at defenders and then what would happen is obviously that's your priority and then you go and you catch a forward that's phenomenal what do you do in that situation do a lot of the times where it's like you may have a kid that you just can't pass up because again if you bring them in and they're better than what you have and it's like hey unfortunately our you know maybe our junior or senior who's been our starter gets wound up by this freshman that comes in who's just like a, a phenomenal talent is it one where you kind of say, well, we have what we kind of need, or do you? Are you always in the back of your mind looking? Well, if we can always one up a position, 
it's going to be better for the team if we can do it. I mean, it's definitely the latter. Uh, you know, we, it, yeah, I got asked in an interview years ago, um, what would you do though? If here you are, you're almost school's about to start and you see this unbelievable kid and you go, and I think my answer was you make room for a difference maker <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. because it's, it only helps your program. So it's all about, we, and we talk about this with, with our women all the time and our team all the time is we're always thinking the program. So it's like, we love, we always say we love you all. And then we're always, anything decision we make is for the program. So when you have young players that could come in and make that impact, it only helps us all. So like mm-hmm. even uh, for instance, you know, Kirsten's had already incredible success and, is only, you know, just completed her sophomore year and going to be a junior. And uh, Allison Seidman came in. She was rookie of the year in 2018. So those are the, those are the you know, young players that are now going to be your upperclassmen, and you keep building the program off of that. So for us, you'll go with position in mind. But if you see someone that really, wow, can help change your team, I think you'll always make room 100%. Because we ought to have them again. Instead of playing against them. Well, that's what yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, that's a big one too, of, right? You pull them on because like, I'd rather have you on our side than their side. That's such Keep a red shirt on versus uh, you know, a blue or that's something. That's it. That's uh, it. No. But I think our team loves that though. Like yeah, That's the chemistry great. and the culture we're trying to build is like a competitive environment. You know, Just because you played every single game the year before doesn't mean you have to play it again. So it's basically keeping everybody on the same page and Growing. knowing the work rate. Knowing you gotta, you know, give everything you got, like in off season over the summer. So I think our team they love that competitive side because that only makes you better. Yeah. So if you bring in more players, that's good. That's only gonna make the practice training side even better because if your training side could be elite, there's gonna be a lot of team you're gonna face. They're not gonna bring that same energy you're gonna have in the training session. So I think our players they love that competitive side. Do you- even though they know that player could fight for playing time with them, they they, they actually embrace it pretty well. I was, was going to say, do you find that, because at a certain age, when you're, the younger you are, the less you're, you're likely to want to earn your spot. You're kind of like, well, if I can just get the spot and have to work hard, I'm cool. <laughs> but I think at a certain point, especially at the D3 level, a lot of these women are going into this program and they're like, we're, I think at a certain point, it's, it switches in your head that I want to go against the best and bring out the best in, in you as a player. So I think a lot of them, I, I would hope a lot of them would see that as an opportunity, even if, like you said, you know, a young lady comes in and she's a freshman and you're a junior and you're like, she's really good. You think it would kind of light that fire in them that, hey, this is going to make me better because if I outwork her out or earn my spot over her, then I know I've actually earned it versus just giving it because maybe I don't have to compete against five or six good defense defensemen and, you know, I don't want to be just the best one by default. I want to have them come and make me earn my spot. Do you find a lot of them kind of, especially from a freshman to a senior, grow up a little yes. bit? Yes, The maturity level definitely gets bigger. We, we say this a lot, right, friends? We're yeah. like, if you if you leave the same way you came in, we didn't do our jobs. Like that growth is everything, yeah. and uh, and you see the change. I don't think any like we always tell them. You know, nobody wants to change for you more than us. Nobody wants your success more than us. Like on an individual level, and then of course, like we said, always with the team in mind. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, for them, you'll see that because at first it's kind of like, like you said, I made it. I'm here. Oh, wait, I still have to be on my toes. I still have to, you know, because it only makes you a better player and you get to actually grow and become what you hope is the best player you could be in four years. So I've seen it countless times and I'm grateful that they embrace hard work and they embrace the challenge 
you know, it could be challenging. You're a junior. Here comes an incredible freshman. How do we work together? Make sure you're both on the field kind of thing. So I think they've really embraced that, which and I, think I love. the biggest thing, like, Tanya does really, really well is that we, you know, even when we sit down, we try to put our best players out there. So we always try, even incoming freshmen now, like, come into play. Come in yeah. to earn minutes. So we always start at least two, three freshmen every year. Doesn't mean... There's upperclassmen sometimes, they're just not at the same level as them. But that's one of the competitive side. We always want to make sure the team feels comfortable of, like, always fighting. So, like, we're not afraid to start freshmen. So, I think some program, they might make the person wait. But if you're ready to play, if you're one of the best play on the team at the moment, you're going to get the minutes you deserve. We, uh... I played. I mean, I played soccer since I was five, all the way up, and then I'm now. Re- I call it retired. I mean, I wasn't good enough. <laughs> me to play too. Eight, me three, too. Yeah. No, no, no. But and we're we're all retired, aren't we? I'm a little achy, more achy now. So, uh, but it was the idea when I when I was. We always came from a program. Um, we had a phenomenal head coach, and we always came from a program. Is you had to earn your playing time. But you would have, I mean, freshmen play. You would have eighth graders play if they were good enough, which yeah. was a rare instance. But I mean, it happened, and we never. Um, and then I, so uh, Rob McAuliffe was the head coach. I played. I know four, Rob. Yeah, I played for Rob. And then I, I was lucky enough. It was a great experience. Rob had me come on as an assistant coach for a couple of years. And then it was kind of like, okay, can you go down and do the JV team? So it was kind of cool seeing because that was I was a head coach of the JV, but I was under Rob for the varsity position. And learning both sides of it was cool, but. I mean, when you were playing, you realized the best players were out there. When you were coaching, you realized the best players were out there. And when I went down to JV, mine was the same mindset. The best players are out there. The hardest thing I had, which I don't, I don't know if it happens as much on the college level. I mean, you're always up against a mixture. You had the kids that thought, hey, I'm a, I'm a freshman or sophomore. An eighth grader or a freshman shouldn't be playing over me because yeah. they felt entitled as I was this, you know, the older or the yeah. more seasoned person. And then also, unfortunately, some of the parents thought the same thing. And then you're always kind of in that, you know, and I really remember going to every practice. I could not tell you, like, I mean, I knew if they were a sophomore or freshman or, or in my case, um, sophomore, freshman or eighth grader, but it had no bearing. It was like clean slate every year. You could have been a sophomore that played for me last year or as a freshman. Now you're a sophomore, but this eighth grader comes up and he's really good. Guess what? I'm going with the eighth grader all day long. And it had nothing to do with. Nobody was entitled to a spot. If you were the starter, the year, you were the starting goalie. You could have been bumped because this kid was better. And like, unfortunately, like yeah. the competitive aspect. So, do you um, do you find have you, is that something that at the college level is not as much of a hurdle? Because that was always a hurdle for us. Not that I really cared, but it was always a something that always came up that you had to deal with. And they got better each year because I think you know players and parents understood because I was there for six years. So they understood like, okay, we know what to expect and. Um, but the first couple of years, I had a lot of like parents or, yeah, or kids butting heads with me. And it, I, it got rid of that. But do you find that a lot at the college level? Or is it a little more, you're at kind of more professional at that point. I say professional level, but it's more of, kind of it's kind another of next, level. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a different yeah. expectation. I think, I mean, you, you know, I, 
for it usually say so those those young kids you're coaching they eventually some might go on to college and go well this is how it used to work right so I played every minute and I was a senior and and all of a sudden when they say like big fish small pond small fish big pond and then you know what we preach from day one is this is the upper echelon like not everyone you've played with right is now in college oh no coach they're not I said right because now we're taking the best from different spots to absolutely bringing you together so um, you know, for us, I think there's a, a bit more now of a separation because we always say they come to college to become these women, you know, the kind of women of the world. And so there's a separation. Our parents are amazing supporters. They're, uh, you know, our lifeblood in terms of fanship and, and, and love. But when it comes to playing time or soccer, the only people who talk to us are the, are the players. Yeah. So there's that, it becomes sort of now you're on your own in terms of becoming, a, a, in our case, a young woman or on the men's side, a young man. Accountability, responsibility, communication. So I probably, we probably have to deal with it. We deal with it less than you did say at that, that younger level when you're talking 14, 15 do, year olds. Do you, do you guys have like a, um, a very transparent like coach player atmosphere where it's like, you, you know, where obviously you have soccer, you have on the field stuff, but for a lot of these like young ladies, they're not with mom and dad anymore. They're away from home five, six, seven hours. So then you be kind, kind of come like parental figures to them in a sense. Um, do you take that responsibility of now? Hey, we got to check in for because again, which I think was cool, and I, I read this. You guys, 2019 to 20, had 22 athletes with SUNYAC commission academic honor roll. So some, I mean, a lot of these. A lot of these women are very smart. You know, yeah. they get their schoolwork Amazing. done too. So it's not just they go play soccer and they just kind of. And you're talking. This is a job. You know, once you go to school, it's not like it's a part time thing. Like you're yeah. putting hours and hours and traveling. And some of the, I, I would say, players work harder than a lot of other people because they have a lot more on their plate. Even though some people think, well, you just play sports. Well, you got yeah. practice. You have <laughs> training. You have recovery. You have sleep. You have to eat better. Weight you lifting, have all, stuff. all the good stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah, how do you? I mean, is there from a player coach perspective? How's that? How's your role as a, a leader? As your role as as a again kind of a, a parent figure on campus for some of these ladies? And then, what's the communication like? And uh, you know the, I, I mean it's a whole nother. It's just the, it's a leadership aspect of you know you're the leaders of a team of <laughs> what, almost how many are on the team? Uh, Twenty six right now. Okay. Twenty six. Yep. Yeah. So how does that go? Like with so many different personalities too. I mean, I think. Uh... Um, for us and as a coach, you, you learn over the years. So this is my, I've been collegiate coaching 13 years and going on 14 years. And so it's uh, you want to get to know what, like we, we make it very, very clear from the start. I should start with this, that academics are number one. And I say for better, for worse, I took school very seriously. So uh, they always laugh. I'm like, so you can't escape us. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be on you. Yeah. And we're, and I know you can do both very well. I really believe in my heart. You can, and I, I preach it. I love it. It's what kept me structured. And I took school super seriously at Rutgers. So it was like one of those things that you're, I, I know it's possible, um, but we're so blessed because we have this incredible women they they do really well in the classroom but yeah it's really about meetings communication so there's just meetings that we totally focus on academics where what you know midterms we get the midterm grades where do you stand what 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 are your grade they have grade sheets what are your grades up till now so we have meet meetings just based on that and then we always talk about check-ins like before practice how was your day what's going on what's the latest and then always telling them walk in that door make sure you're telling us make sure because we always use that yeah 26 of you two of us like 
so we're always working on the communication piece, but we we always say soccer's actually, even though we commit so much time to it, it's a small part of their lives when they think academics, family, friends, social, the whole thing, we have to keep that in mind as the big picture. Yeah. And so we talk about it a lot with them because we want them to know that's exactly how we feel. Especially that age, it's a very, you're going from, again, I mean, 18 and under, you really are young. You know, yeah. you, come from high, or you come from high school, you come from, again, mom and dad's house, you have some structure and you have the kind of shelter with that. Then you're going out to college. It's a big transition, but it's very formative years because you're meeting new people. You're like, you know, for some of these kids, like Plastic State is a big eye opener. Sometimes it's a bigger spot than they're used to. Sometimes it's smaller, you know, if you're coming yeah. from a big city. But um, yeah, I think, again, you're playing soccer a few hours a day and then a few months out of the year. And it's realistically like, bringing that all together because I think the I think just the psychological aspect and the mental aspect especially at, as you you talk about like you're sifting out players well you get every level you get better and better and better and then what may, may separate you know one girl from another girl is just you know the athleticism is pretty much there but it's the mental aspects knowing the game it's uh, maybe it's just how to deal with emotion and the poise on the field versus somebody that gets worked up and loses their cool when they're on the field and how do you guys, I mean, how do you guys focus on that too with, you know, some players maybe mentally having, maybe that's not their strong suit and how do you work through that? And Because you can't coach every player the same because personalities are different and some some people you can be a little more yeah. direct to and some have to have, you know, a little more so- <laughs> softness towards <laughs> How you approach it. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is like, like we said, we have 26, is getting to know your players and reading them. I think that's a lot of part of our job making sure this person is doing the right thing and different ways to teach them different things. Some people, even like a scouting report, some people like to see it, some people don't. (laughs) It's just like trying to get to know your players and doing the right thing for everybody, like for the team. So I think we do a great job trying to read them. And of course, we always tell them this, you know, we can't read everybody if anything is going wrong, anything, you know, you want to talk about, our door is always open. So we always in the office, like they can always stop by and talk about anything. And, and I think the biggest thing is just trying to read the players because certain people, certain players, different things motivate them to, to be great. So I think that's something I think every coach is fighting to figure out how to work yeah. with these players because, you know, we got so many players on our team. They're so, so talented. It's just that confidence piece and let them know, like, you are good. You know, like, you know, you can play with that confidence because – you can do it. You know, some people can't. So there's no way you can tell them, oh, you can go out there and, and do this, but you really can't. But there's a lot of young women, great young women on our team. Like, the sky is the limit for them. It's just them knowing, like, I can take it to that next level. And, and they have us to try to help them get to that, well, to I think that next step. The confidence from, like, a freshman to senior is one of the biggest things they gain. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to think as a senior, you're like, okay, I've been doing this for three years. I've been and here. You get a little, that, <laughs> yeah. a little more of, like, okay, yeah. I've... I've done okay the last couple of years. And all right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing too for us. Like even myself, coaching less than Tanya, you can see even myself playing at Division Two. Sometimes you get freshmen coming in. Oh, I have like three years in front of me, but they don't know how quickly it goes by. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing too. Is like treat every every year like it's your last because you just never know. You know when your last game could be type of thing because injuries or mm-hmm. whatnot. So I think that's the biggest thing sometimes. You know, you don't want to wait for that experience. Like, come in, learn. You got upperclassmen that already done, you know, things they learned from. They're willing to share it with you and things like that. It's just, like, come in with that mindset, like, treating every year, like, I'm a senior type of thing. I think that's that's hard for kids to do. Like, 
even myself when I was a player, we all think that way. So like I'm a freshman, yeah. like I got years, but <laughs> it goes, yeah. it goes by we so are quickly. The yeah. And the next thing you know, oh, I'm a senior, like. Yeah. And this freshman is doing the same thing I used to do. So it's kind of yeah. like that it's, mentality. What's the wisdom you picked up through your 20s and 30s? Absolutely. And like, okay, I know a little bit more than I did. So listen yeah. to me. But, yeah, um, write the phrase if I well, only knew that. You know, that well, I know what I know. How, how does that, again, I mean, all these women know that you both played at a high level of soccer. I mean, how does that, do you think that makes a big difference to them? Because I don't know how it is mostly. I think a lot of coach or players end up, uh, or should I say a lot of coaches have a background in playing. Um but again, at different levels. Obviously, Rutgers being D one, Post being D two. She doesn't talk about. It. She played with Carly Lord. Yeah, which is, was not, like, yeah. But you know, <laughs> yeah, what do they say? We talk about being. I was a uh, uh, playing uh, as a graduate student from a red shirt for my junior year. She came in as a freshman. What we talked about was about just Carly. Uh, Carly did, yeah. and what we talk about, like you said, what do you do when a good freshman shows up? Yeah. So we talk about that with the team, not even necessarily pulling from that specific situation, but it was exactly what you talked about earlier, Galen. It was like. That that needs to be embraced. Yeah. You shouldn't be sad that someone like that shows up. Yeah, you're high fiving them. I'm glad you, you're on. You know what team. I mean? You're doing cartwheels at that point. So, but but yeah, I mean, but but sorry, you were saying because I know Franzi. Yeah. Um, Just how, how you're how um, being a player and going through the experience yourselves. How was that transition transition to you guys coaching? But also how you know the girls respond to you and maybe like hey, it's like they were in our our shoes at one point and and maybe and obviously at a very high level. Um, do you think that that rubs off on them well? And it got, obviously gives you a better, uh, you know, I didn't say experience, but a perspective on how it all works. I, I mean, one of my top phrases is we live the life. So, you know, and it wasn't easy. And like we talked about great freshmen coming in, earning your spot, being older, you know. So I, I get to, I feel openly share that and not glorify it either like they you know everything was great and i showed up and it was great i mean it wasn't you had to fight you had ups you had downs you had injuries um so we taught i end up finding it myself as a coach opening up about even things i don't remember until our young women go through it and i'm like well yeah no i had a couple of concussions so you know but it wasn't stuff i think about often until they're there they might be struggling in that moment or looking for motivation so I know we talk a lot about, I mean, my t- one of my top phrases is we live the life. So I promise you, we're not asking you to do anything we haven't already done. Mm. Uh, we're not asking you to do something that we haven't seen. And this is where we found success. As players, yeah. too, I think even if the years fly by, but you remember that stuff well of like, uh, like I said, not all the glorious stuff, but just all every part of it. When you struggled, where you found your motivation, where you found your confidence. We were, t- we were doing individual Uh, phone calls and we were talking a lot about that like you said the mental piece drawing from confidence even some people dealing with anxiety what does that mean what does that look like and the only thing you get to draw from is not only as a coach but what were you doing as a player so i feel like that that i I know franz you do the same you get to say that we we live the life yeah we do and and everything too is different like when i came in into coaching as a young coach you think like oh i do this i do that but it's not the same even (laughs) at the club, college level. And I learned a lot from Tanya. Like, even, like, I think she can turn any program around. So it's like she just gets to know the kids and they just want to play for her and, type, and, and things like that. I think it's just trying to read your players because they mistake is they mistake. It's not your mistake. So you have to figure out how to get them to become a better player. And she, right. do, she does a phenomenal job just reading them and basically doing great with what you have and trying to add more pieces to it. So I think she does a great job in terms of... Well, I think that would help you with the uh, with the recruiting aspect, too. Because I think if you talk with confidence, one of the things I've... 
going into like a real estate field is that when I started out, I wasn't very confident. And the same thing with soccer, but like, for, I remember just as you grow and get better at your field, you become more confident, have better conversations, have, you know, you're a little more excited about it because you have passion for it. And I see you probably both have a lot of passion. And I think that's when you talk to the kids, at least hearing you guys talk normally, I think that that would come across and hopefully as a recruiting tool, that's something where, hey, I want to go play through this coach because they're excited about it. They, Because I, I think you can get some personalities for coaches. They might be phenomenal, but if they don't really sell it to – I don't want to say sell it, but if you really show that you have a, you care and that it's like, hey, listen, this is what I want to do. And I think that goes a long ways. The confidence in yourselves as coaches you know, rubs off on, on the ladies the way you'd want it to where they take a little bit of that and like, yes, okay, like – at least coach believes in me, so I'm going to believe in myself. And then, it's a big piece. Like I said, yeah. it's the mental, it's the confidence, it's the I can do it. And you know, betting on yourself versus you know just being like I don't know if, or doubting yourself going up against because kids do that in athletics. It's like yeah. you know, For, that's a, that's a bigger, a stronger Absolutely. person are going to beat me. Or look at the size of that team. And right at the end of the day, it's you know, heart wins out, hard work wins out. That's you know, it. skill level, especially in soccer, <laughs> yeah. wins that's out. That's it. Well, we talk a lot about that. I mean, my my whole family. My my father's from Italy. My mother's from Spain. We we only grew up with one sport in my house. Uh, my brothers played. I played. My father still plays to this day, and he's nice. uh, going to be seventy two. Wow. Uh, so we I grew up playing with the boys. I mean, we. We only know this game, um, and I love other sports, but my household, we only know this game. And Franzi, growing up playing in Haiti, living the life, I think we always talk about that too because it, like a lot of even just confidence and desire and commitment come from your passion and your love of the game. And we always we talk about that a lot with the team. If this is something you're just checking off your list yeah. and you're not excited about at least predominantly, we're missing something. Because we always say we chose it for a living because that's how much we love it and we still love it. So that passion drives you more. And I've won, as a player, remember winning games we had no business winning just yeah. based on desire and passion and love and hard work. And as, as coaches, I mean, we've laughed. Wow, we had no business winning that game. But we fought our way <laughs> like to the end. yourself to the win. 100%. Yeah. We were clawing our way to the finish line. And, but it all, I think, dri- drives from the love of the game and uh, we never want our players to forget that because i think you can it can get muddled well the reason i ask is because again you graduated a bachelor of science in sports management and business administration yeah and then you went to school for political science and then american studies and then a law degree so you both went from having degrees in two things and then you just went to to an athletic <laughs> background which is totally fine but it's just funny how you got to really have a passion for soccer because, again, you guys went into you know great fields that are, have degrees in fields where you're like, hey, we could have made a phenomenal living. But then <laughs> your passion takes over, which I think is important because if you go in – like you obviously had you know law was an interest. And obviously sports management, you're in, in the sports yeah. field. But it's the idea like you had a passion for it, but it wasn't over kind of like the childhood love of soccer, which you went into. So like what made you both decide to go into coaching versus going to the fields from, from – maybe yours maybe wasn't as big of a jump yeah, or was, was it – Mine wasn't – that big of a jump but i know i always wanted to coach at some point like either either high school because i was given a job from a high school team where i played like if i didn't get that connecticut college job like mm-hmm. there was always things out there like the local club they wanted me to coach their team because they know how good of a player i was in that area where i lived in, in connecticut so i always wanted to coach because coaching to me is like something that i truly love like and I have a strong passion for it, and I just always want to teach young players that has the the heart to like that love the game as I do, like that wants to learn because you always got to be like a 
a student of the game. So I'm always one of those kids that always want to give back. Even myself playing club in the U.S. was different than other kids. Like, I never paid for club soccer. I was talented enough to play, so I played for club for free. So I'm always one of those kids that always want to give back. And coaching for me is always something like even those young women I'm coaching, like Tanya's, I just want them to be successful. I just want them to be a student of the game. I just want them to accomplish more I accomplish as an individual player or as a team. So for me, I always wanted to coach, even though starting out, sometimes being an assistant is not the pay you want. But yeah. <laughs> for me, being out, the, out on the field, I don't even worry about my salary. I just want them to get better. I just want, you know, being out there coaching them, winning games, learning from games, losing games, things like that. I think that's something like as a career, I love that aspect, being on the field and just. So a lot of your reasons for coaching would be to get to let know that the experience or the joy that soccer's brought you yeah. can be can be to you know given to someone else and you're kind of one showing the path of these you know young ladies that this is a way that you can have as much fun or hopefully find that that factor of the game that really like sparks a love of it in myself or you know or yourself into them yeah. um which is is that the same kind of path i guess away from Law. Yeah, I know law was. I was it's hilarious. I actually when I was at Rutgers, um, I and and like so I was actually an English major and I, I double minored in political science, American studies, and I'm in my junior year now. I'm thinking college coaching, but I am thinking post grad, maybe law school. And really, it was the 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 man I came across as uh, he was the head of the political science department. He 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 handled pre law. So even as an English major, I go and see him. And Dr. Milton Human is his name. And he we ended up. I mean, I came from like a rain drenched practice i mean in the mud and Rutgers is huge so don't have, have time to like barely change my clothes to make this meeting on another campus and long story short he and i end up in his office for two hours his son played basketball in college so i tell him i said dr human i'm thinking of coaching college soccer but i'm also thinking of law school and he was just amazing he's like you know your passion is evident for soccer and he goes my son is actually a sports agent when he played basketball in college so he's like, you know what, go to law school now. He's like, that way, even if you coach 10, 20 years from now, if you want to become an administrator, work for U.S. soccer, work for FIFA, you'll already have the degrees. So he was really the reason that I even pursued law school, even though coaching is where I thought I'd see myself. So people in law school mostly thought I was insane. So they were just like, what are you going to do? So I guess like, a soccer coach coming to get a law degree. Like, literally, okay, I, was like, I was like, I'm going to be a college soccer coach. So I went, I mean, law school, you have to take all the required courses for the bar exam, but I focus on entertainment and sports law. I was the entertainment and sports law society president. Wow. Um, so I worked for a sports agent. I worked for the Miami Heat. I like definitely like tried to branch out and see the business side of sports but nothing ever compared to being on the field of a soccer field. So I, it still ended up in the path that I got a job as soon as I could after I graduated law school. So in, in your book, I want to make sure this is correct. United Soccer Coaches National Diploma, that's what you have. Do you both have? I mean, is that like, we both have it. What, is that the, what, where is that in regards to coaching or what type of level are you guys at at coaching? Because I know there's a couple of things I've seen at least on line of you yeah. both having some type of affiliation or I guess soccer degree yeah, kind of yeah. thing. 
I mean, United Soccer Coaches, they, they used to be the NSCAA, National Soccer Coaches Association of America. They mm-hmm. changed over in the last couple of years to United Soccer Coaches. They offer degree programs or certificate programs. So you have your national, you have those, um, like say you're not in college, you could do youth licensing, you know, your e-license. Like they just have like um, kind of a hierarchy of, of licensing. When you're in college, you can go as a college coach immediately for your, what they call the national diploma, which is usually a week-long course or in my case it was um a two weekend course like you're there no morning till night you know really going all day and then you if you know you pass you run your session they give you topics it's really pretty thorough uh that's your national then the next one is advanced national which i think a lot of college coaches then advanced and premier so we have our nationals right now and our goal is hopefully get the advanced nationals it's just a great ways for coaches to keep you up, keep up to date with the game because yeah. a lot of it when you go there you you know you have some of the big time coaches who's been successful they run in those class sessions so it's good to see their input in the game and they talk about like uh, a lot of stuff like every little detail psychology really, of the cool. game yeah. practice planning how to get the best out of your players so it's always good when you go to those seminar not seminar but courses. You know, you get to talk to other coaches and interact and network and and also learn about the game in a different aspect from someone else. And and some some of the stuff we get from them, like team bonding activities and different fun structure games you can do with the team. I learned a lot when I did my national license, when I did it in, in mass, a lot of team bonding because our team, we big into like doing team fun activities yeah. because... You don't want to treat soccer like every day, like you're going to be running, you're going to be doing this. It's fun. It's fine to have fun, which I learned a lot from Tanya because when I played, my coach didn't do <laughs> anything that was like, I don't think we ever did anything fun for like a few minutes while we were training, but Tanya got so many creative games. It just gets you to smile, to laugh, and just Take the edge don't treat it like as a job. It's like, I got to put this two hour, hour and a half in, so... And it's great. Like, our team loves it. Even something we do, like, Music Mondays. Every Monday, we have the music out. And what truly know, became like... Music Weeks. We just play the music all the time in the first so, 40 minutes of practice. So, so um, I want to come back to that because I want to. I do want to or touch on some of that stuff because I, I do enjoy following it. Oh, so, yeah. I want to I wanna get – we'll go back to that. Or we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that for sure. The, uh, um, the one thing I find with soccer, and I kind of want to – hear your input is soccer is the most popular sport in the world it's also one of the most simplistic games in the world from a from a um from the standpoint of you got to get the ball in the net (laughs) and there's really not a lot of rules in soccer in in regards to a lot of other sports like just take football alone football has so many rules and soccer is a very simplistic game you kick the ball you can head the ball the ball goes out you can throw the ball in (laughs) and there's a couple free kick indirect there's not a, a whole Lot you can learn soccer very quickly. There's not a lot of equipment for soccer. It's a very um, e- the ease of in- getting introduced to soccer is very easy. I um, another thing I want to I'll make a note. I want to come back to it. But taking soccer, it's easy in the sense of the the concept of soccer is easy. One of the things if you look at a lot of games and sports, some of the hardest philosophy stuff of sports or philosophy of a sport. I believe it's harder from a simplistic game than it is from a, te- um, a complex game, I guess if we'll call it that. So, you, I mean, obviously soccer, again, is, I say easy in the sense of you get the ball in the net. 
not there's not a lot of goals in a the game. There's usually you can count most of the goals on one hand, you know, for the most part. But if you take the philosophy and the way that you can move a ball into another the opponent's net, the philosophy and the the tactics and strategy differ tremendously. It's always it's funny. It's always evolving, even though the sport is. I don't even know when soccer started. Hundreds of years ago, yeah. that's a variation at least of it. Um, probably even older about just kicking a ball around, getting into past a line or something. Yep. So yep. Um, how have you found that? How do you approach soccer, the philosophy, the strat- strategy, the tactics of soccer? How has it evolved from when you guys played to now coaching or even from when you started coaching to now coaching? Like how has it, how has things evolved or, or maybe you're just difference of how you guys um, will coach or strategize? Or I know some of it depends on players, but obviously you have your own philosophies on the game. Um, so go into that a little bit about taking a simple a simple mm-hmm. sport and making it much. It's there's a lot to it. <laughs> yeah. But I think with us, though, we have a of course a style of play how we want to play, but we we don't have like a set formation we play every year because it, it just varies on it depends on what we have coming in. We one of the coaches that's not afraid to change for the better of the team. So I know some coaches they play one formation and that's the formation. But if you don't have this like the 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 specialty players in certain position, it's not going to benefit the team. I think that's one of the things that we are every year. We sit down preseason. This is what we have. Like even us, we want to play with a three back line. But if those three players are not solid, you know, center backs that's comfortable that can get the job. Usually four people are doing it, but now you want to leave three back there. So sometimes we can't play that formation because you just don't have that personnel yet. But I think for us, the way we coach is like we are willing to change with what we have because every year it changes. It's not like a professional team. You can get this player for 10 years. Like it's four years, then just they move on. Yeah. So every year is changing. So it's like that player doesn't stay. Like we had all like player of the year. She left. You know, she was a phenomenal 10 attacking sentiment. Now – you know, we have to I fit somebody that, that that position. <laughs> yeah, like, and, um, I'm assuming Katie. Yeah. Uh, was, uh, was she the center? Uh, uh, player of the year, uh, Madeline Sococcio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. and she graduated in 2018. So she had okay. a four-year career. Yeah. But yeah, you graduate she's player a big, of the year. big player center of the field. Yeah, yeah. 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 And she Huge. was great. And it took her time as her career developed. And she was phenomenal for us. But her senior was her best year at our program. But, you know, I think for us, we're not afraid to change. I think some programs are different because... One coach may master one formation, and they trying to like force it to work type of thing. I think for us, we go with the flow, we go with what work. So we are, we not afraid to to adapt to change. So formation wise, you change all the like if we need to. Based on- not per game. Uh, usually, it's just when you look at your per personnel year. for the year. Ooh. So we we started with a uh, four three two one. We've done a variation of that, and then we just had some phenomenal attackers in the last couple of years, and so we went to the traditional four three three, which we hadn't played when a lot of people were playing it. Um, but uh, but yeah, like Franzi said, we also enjoy a three five two. So if we feel that there's a way we could play that, that'd be beautiful. But we played that at the University of Dayton, and I loved it. But uh, but yeah, keep into the to what you're what's in front of you, and I and I think to to your question, I mean it is a simple game, and what happens is you can overthink it, you can overdo it. I as a coach, you know it's it's hard to be like, well, be creative, 
because you have this free reign and there aren't set plays. So I think what it is is we, we always say this, we're going to keep the game simple. Now we're going to show you the variations, absolutely. The different runs you can make, pressures here. Where can you get out of that pressure? What's your angle? Where's your run? But at the same time, we just keep putting the trust back in that. But we're like, well, what would you do? Well, yeah, pressure's here. I'd go right, right. Mm-hmm. So like we try and keep it simple and remember it simple. And again, because my family's a soccer family, that's all they ever say. It's a very simple game. I uh, usually with a much better accent because it's real. But uh, yeah, I mean, so they, you know, my father comes and watches a bunch, my mom as well, my, my brothers. So it really is like one of those things, like keep it simple, even if you're showing them more complex things. Mm-hmm. But, but rather than just be like, oh, get creative, because that's hard to do too. Like you said, you got a lot of free reign. You got to show them what that creativity might look yeah. like, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. That, that was a lot of um, – soccer is one of those sports. The coach, in theory, could almost sit on the bench the whole time because a lot of the coaching is done in practice. Yeah. It's unlike – Maybe basketball or something. Because one, you, players can't hear you half the time because yeah. they're running around and they're. And you're, you're talking. You could be a hundred yards away, really, from totally. or maybe not hundred, but you know, sixty to eighty no, yards true, away. True. And yeah. You're trying to yell, you know, at someone across the, the field. They can't hear. I mean, I, my voice doesn't really project when I coach, so like I'd be yelling and like kids in the midfield after like three times they'd finally like look over, <laughs> and I'm like, so so. And yeah, you, we're and, still here. And the thing with soccer, there's no timeouts, so right. everything's on the fly. Right. And. and uh, but yeah, what you said is I, most of the coaching is done, you know, in practice. You show them everything. You give them the knowledge. You give them the, you know, here's your here's your options. Here's yeah. you know, re- basically teach them to read the situation right. and then make a judgment call and make you know do something they're comfortable with. And hopefully that confidence through just skills and practice, they can now instead of going always left or right or they can you know they, they add a little bit more tools to, or, or or yeah more tools to the bag kind of or to, yeah tool bag you know what i mean yeah i got Tricks it to the bag. Yeah, to, so, but, but tools in the bag work i like that one too to, yeah. to, tools in the toolkit tools i guess in the yeah. shed and the kit yeah, uh, yeah the <laughs> make sure all the tools are, are the tool, oiled yeah. I, I felt good about it yeah, yeah. And, and our game is like you know every goal in soccer is it has to be a mistake you know he's always learning from your mistake even if you score a goal the other team had to have done something wrong. Maybe didn't step to the ball, let you take a free at shot. Least early, yeah. So I think our game, especially the professional level, when you watch a game, it almost seemed like a chess game. That, yeah. Because they at that level that one mistake can cause you a goal. If you step for the wrong ball, you go for the same ball. Like the at the professional inside, level, yeah. you watch it now. It slows down a little bit, but it's all kind of like a chess. It's got like a chess game. Like I move this piece. What are you going to do? Like, it's kind of like... Well, chess is a pretty simple game, too. Like, yeah. you can right. learn chess sitting down in a couple minutes. Right. But the master chess takes a lifetime. Yeah. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, and that's where, Franzi had said it earlier, we talk a lot with our young women about being students of the game. Because yeah. I think maybe it's it's been the way it's been in the States, is we're so structured from early on that I think sometimes... Uh, any player at any age going up into college is sort of like, well, tell me what to do. But suddenly the game develops in, in every levels faster. High school faster than mm-hmm. elementary school. Like and D3 then three is still fast. Oh, still it's very quick. fast level. It's so, and that's what yeah. they will surprise our women because normally Stronger. they'd have like six hours on the ball. Now you've got two seconds. So mm-hmm. I think it ends up being that piece of sort of like, now you've got to read it a little bit. You got to be a student in the game. And I don't have a timeout to stop and tell you push your left and then cut in right and slot the slot the ball. You now you get to have a little fun with it. So instead of it being anxiety inducing, 
can we start to find what we're good at and then have some fun with it? But, but yeah, I mean, Franzi says it too. There are tactics to it. There are tactics to defense. There are, especially defense. Um, and there are, is in the attack as well. But again, showing them ways in which you can hopefully highlight what they're also good at. Yeah, I think there's even like looking at our team, like our outside back, they, just, they don't just sit there. Like, you know, some teams and or some people in high school, your back line don't leave. Mm -hmm. The four got to stay at home. Like for us, like outside backs are like wingers. They get involved in the attack. They surf balls. They can stay up high because our number six can basically stay back for them. So even for us, the way we attack, we put a lot of numbers in the attack. Defensively, we high pressure right away trying to win the ball. There's so many different ways to play the game. I always tell anybody, like anybody can play soccer. Mm -hmm. But to play it the right way, yeah. you got to be a student of the game. You got to learn it, learn different scenarios and stuff like that. I think that's what we always tell our, our, our young ladies. It's like you have to make sure you become a student of the game so you don't create that bad habit of making the same mistake. Because all game, they high pressure. So you don't have time on the ball like you used to do in yeah. high school. <laughs> well, so, like, again, I, I played um, I played mostly defense all the way through, but then I ended up transitioning to right back. And again, I. But when I was a kid in high school, my focus was right back. Like I got really good at playing right back. You know, yeah. I was not a good forward. You would not. But I, but I was. I would attack. I would. Yeah, yeah. I would do the attack. Like I would attack. Keep I had no. I had no problem overlapping the side. I, like yeah. I wanted to be. I, I I actually had a lot of assists in my position as a right back which because I got phenomenal. into which because yeah. I got into the play. But with that being said, then you went to the coaching level, and you talk about student of the game. I was lucky to take. Because I, you know, I was around soccer, but then really watching, like, Rob coach, then it's like, okay, I can't, like, I might have a little, like, soft spot in my heart for the right back, but you got to learn everything. And then a couple years there allowed me to really learn it, and then then you find yourself nerding out and, like, watching videos and watching more games and thinking that it, not a player as a coach. Yeah. And then that allows you when you went down. So, to go to, like, when I went to the JV level, but you go, again, I was a... I guess a right back specialist for a few years and then you just kind of evolve as a as a coach so um now from a playing to a coaching perspective how did how do you found that differs you know when you guys played versus now coaching because obviously your love of soccer is there but how have you transitioned out of besides just like aging and being more a little bumps and bruises that hurt more just but being older just being old yeah, wiser yeah. wiser um, yeah. well franzi you know franzi's younger than i am and so i remember when we first started coaching i he it I had coached already a few years before Franzi got into the game. And I remember saying, it's not about what you can do as a player. I mean, that is your biggest thing. Because you'll see that with young coaches. Like, well, you just have to do this. It was like, well, no, no. See, you can do that. And that's awesome. And you did that really well. The thing was, now it's not a, you really do remember, it's not about you. I don't even know if people know where I played. I don't think it really matters. I didn't know you played defense. So yeah, right, yeah. right. Like, it, nobody really, like, not, uh, not that they wouldn't care, but but it's not. It's always about them, what they need to learn, and then how do you convey it? So just saying, like, well, what do you mean you can't just slide tackle? Well, it's like, yeah, if I did that well, cool for me. But like now you've got to yeah. convey it. Now you can't just expect them to know it because you did, which I've seen happen in a lot of young coaches of going, but they just have to do this. And I was like, well, they can't do this. That's what we're here for. Yeah. we got to teach them how to do that. And that's where it becomes a very... It's not just about you and what you used to do. You have to be able to teach and convey the game that's yeah. that for their game, not your own. And I think the transition for a lot ends up being, oh, wait, 
it's not about my game anymore. It's about theirs. And then how do I even teach your it? style of play? You have to teach them yeah. how you want the program to play as a team. So I think that's something we always do preseason and just giving them the freedom of range. Like Tanya said, our game is very creative. If you got a play that can beat a couple people. We actually love that. We would never tell you not to dribble, like a one not to one. get creative. Oh, and, yeah, we're, and we're one of those. If yeah. you can do it, and it's fine. We, even if you come to our game, if it's one, it was like take her. Yeah, like we don't You'll hear. Us well, say I've, that. Seen, like, I've seen Kirsten do that too. You just yeah. like, oh, yeah. and Kirsten's she's a fast, you know, strong girl. So oh, it's like 100%. you just kind of watch same thing. It's that one v one just. And I love it too. It's just like okay, take yeah. just go, just go. And if you're, you're yeah. so high in the field, like we're not gonna do it on a defensive third, but if you're in the <laughs> yeah. attack, yes. What's yeah. the worst thing gonna happen? Half field, you're probably not gonna like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna get? Foul or get a corner kick? Yeah. Maybe and you, you draw go, foul. And yeah. Maybe you go in and score. Maybe you go in and get an assist. So I think our team, like we we tell them, like you got to be creative in the attack. And of course, there's different pattern of play we we train. But soccer is, you know, one of those games. Someone might be standing there. You're supposed to pass it here. But doesn't mean you do it. You have to have the vision. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have Kirsten, to be, get be again. You got in. You know, have some fun. Yeah. The, the other thing that I, one thing I love about, because again, having played soccer for so many years, and again, from first successful program, and maybe I would feel the difference if I had a good basketball program. I'd love basketball season, but <laughs> for some reason, soccer season, even though we we're not in the best fair weather area, we have we, we have the climates, but I don't think there's a better atmosphere like an october sunny october saturday i don't know what it is but i love i love the falls up here and obviously connecticut is gorgeous like that's a one of my but, favorite but states this is wow but this, this is and, all wow. and i always yeah. think like the days we go watch you know go watch you guys well, coach and, and you know the woman play you go to the field it's october 10th on a columbus day weekend and it's beautiful out and it's you know a whatever a one o'clock game and it's sunny like this but it's like that nice like high 50s day oh yeah i don't think there's like a better no sports no. atmosphere where i can wear like a you know pair of like you know wind pants and a hoodie and i'm like i feel great it's gorgeous, it's gorgeous. So what, what you just you, describe the perfect day that's amazing. I, I know and, and that's what i was thinking because then you get you get the evening games that are freezing and you're raining and you're like this i, I hate this you're like you know? i like night games but i could have done without the cold yeah yeah but I, but I think an afternoon game was just sunny and you had the crowd and like for some reason, I don't know, they're cooking hot dogs and you smell it and it feels great. Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. just something weird about, but I mean, is that kind of, do you get those days where you just get excited? Like, they're nice days, but there's got to be, well, at least when I played and coached, like, those were the days, like, sunny out, this would be fun. This would be a yeah. fun day to go out and, like, win a game. Tanya yeah. tells them all the time when we go into the locker room, this is a beautiful day to play. My favorite you know, line. It's like beautiful, and was, I mean it for mo- every game. I yeah. really do. But but I know what you mean by the weather in certain days. <laughs> certain yeah. days, you're just like, yes, yeah. this is just. A but great- we'll use that a lot when it's really beautiful outside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially October. Yeah, it's conference oh, play. Adirondacks, you can't beat it. You cannot beat so. it. But it does. It get. That's where we talk about that love, right? Like, it's about this game. But if we're if we're gonna go out and really appreciate what we have right now, one of those gorgeous days, yeah. high fifties, crowd is cheering. If you are not loving it, there's we got to change something. And I think because every time we do, we'll play well. We'll always do well because your heart's in it. You're, you're feeling it. So we talk about that a lot. And, and today's a great day to play is one of my taglines because I actually believe it 100%. Now, now how, how did you both coach boys at any point? I, I did. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Franz. I done boys like U18, and I did a little bit for PFC too. I did the U17 for one year, and I done the PFC U14. And back in Connecticut, I done uh, U18 boys, and I done like the U23 men's. 
And then you, did, you were on Connecticut. Yeah, I was assistant. in Connecticut College team on the men's side. So first collegiate women was at Plattsburgh State. And, and Tanya, did you ever boys or, or men's soccer? Well, only did boys soccer? for clubs. So I, out in Ohio, I did like a U12 boys team. I had a blast. And then the only thing other than that has been camp. So there's times like I just did a high school camp uh, last summer in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was all, it was all high school age boys. So like I'll do that a lot too. I might just get on only boys. Do you find there's a difference there? Or is it like I mean I I've only coached boys. I've never coached girls soccer. Um, and I didn't know if there was I mean, the sports still the same, but obviously boys and girls are different, and you know emotion levels and everything else. And and obviously um, you know I think even even styles of play, but even like injuries, I find that girls all from my perspective, we had a lot of girls just. You had more injuries, I think, in women's soccer than you did in men's soccer. I don't know if that's true or not. Does that? It's it, about the same at the college level. Like that, you'll see the guys high school, on the sidelines. We side always had a lot of the, girls that be more injured, which yeah. I, but I think a lot of it has to do with like soccer concussions. I think is like the second highest is women's soccer because I, I and this is probably the younger level yeah. heading the ball. Um, you know, I think it was like neck development is different too. So. I didn't I think know. they're not learning anymore too, which is kind of yeah, like yeah. I I adored heading the ball. It was yeah. one of my I thought one of my strengths, even as a shorty yeah. uh, person, a short person. I called myself shorty. Um, so so, but I loved it. I I adored it. I love the timing of it. I love the power of it. Nowadays, you meet a lot of young women, girls. That, oh, it automatically gives you concussions. Like, well, that's that's just not true. So they're yeah. not learning, and I think this happens on the boys' side yeah. too. I've seen boys had it even in some of those camps, and I'm like. You're gonna, you're, all you're going to do is give yourself a concussion yeah, and the ball hit you in the face. Correctly. Yeah, so... But, it's just the proper technique. Yeah, yeah but, but to that, I think... Uh, um, I mean, is there much difference, you think, between boys and girls soccer? I didn't. I don't know because when I always coached... Like, Gina primarily coached girls when, and I was... Always, so we always kind of had that, like, I don't know, would it be... Could I ever do girls or could she do boys? I'm sure we could. I mean, it's just an adjustment, but... I think the only there, thing that I noticed for me from doing both is more like... I think boys... They have big egos. Mm-hmm. Like they always think they're like Ronaldo. Like everybody think they're the best player. Yeah. And sometimes it's good to rein them in and let them know like this. You still got a lot to do. Like you, if you want to be that type of player to improve on your game. But I think women sometimes they are talented, but they're not. They're not gonna rub it in type of thing. Mm-hmm. But you always gotta build their confidence and tell them like you are great. Yeah. You are the next big thing. But I think sometimes guys, all of them might think. You know, I am the best, the best guy. <laughs> yeah. And it could be like the entire team feel that way. But even though I'm like, you're coming off the bench and you feel the same way that yeah. somebody who's starting. It's overconfidence. Sometimes it's good to rein them in and let them know like, all right, you know, you're good at this, but you got to work at that. And then sometimes, like I said, you get some great women. Like they are very talented, but they're not, they don't have that cockiness kind of, you know. To, so you think that the coaching aspect is kind of the same. It's not like you yeah, get a different response yeah. either way. And our I, game I, is the same. Like, that's why I love soccer. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't so. care which gender I coach because the game is the same. Like, yeah. it's not like basketball, lacrosse. Like, it's the same rule. It's the same, same ball, way. same duration, yeah. same field yeah, and I size. Just, I just was wondering if there was, if you guys had different tactics or different, um, you know, strategies versus for the men's, women's, or anything like the boys, girls back in the day. It was everything pretty much the same. I, I mean, it's the same sport. I just didn't know if there was no, any difference no, regarding a, like really maybe speed of play or physicality or, or, you know, obviously doing set pieces with regards to. I just, this, this is a background for me just coming from younger age. Yeah. You know, there's some stuff that you saw that 
you know the girls would do different than the guys just based on more of it was uh was physically physicality wise but then there were certain things that girls did better than guys because whether it's spacing or timing and stuff like that so i didn't know if that- i think i think for me doing both i think women are more coachable okay if, if you put it in a sense i think they they listen. Sometimes they listen. <laughs> yeah. They want too much kind of thing. You kind of want to, want to give them the range, like get creative on your own type of thing. But I think men's is different because, you know, a lot of us, we watch the game more. So when it comes to free kicks, you can get creative. Like I think some of the, you know, all women, some of them are, you know, they could get creative on their own, but sometimes they wait for you to be like, what type of free kick shall we hit them? Like you got the ball, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. But I think all women, some of them, they have the range, they can do it, but. I think in the boy side, because a lot of us watch the game so much, I think they see things like maybe Bayern Munich, they were men, like Men City did. Mm-hmm. They might get a free kick and try to do something creative they saw and things like that. But I think overall, like, I think they both the same to me in a way, because like I said, like all game, there's nothing different. Yeah. I just wonder, there's always of, been a debate because Gina's always like, could you do, could you have coach girls soccer? Like, because I I, at one point, I think. I have to go back. I think at one point I was approached to coach girls soccer, and I just was I was like, well, I'll just stick with the boys because yeah. I, was, I was there. Not that it really mattered, but I was always wondering like, would I been transitioned? Well, I think I would have been fine. You know, you I, adapt I think to you. It. Well, it's, and I think there's a there's sort of because I feel like I've talked to men's coaches throughout the four institutions in college that I've coached, and we find we're it's very very similar. So not only even yeah. the boys or the uh, high school I age think boys. The levels get up, it gets meshed more together. One hundred percent. But I feel like whether you're building up or kind of bringing people down or whatever it is, you're all trying to get them at the same level. Yeah. And it and kind of to your point earlier, everyone needs an individual style. So my brother Fabio is one of the best players I've ever seen. But you had to coach Fabio in a very That's specific a great way. Name too. By the way, right? As, if, if, if Fabio Armolino is an Italian, I don't know what it is. But yeah. uh, but he was he was a phenomenal phenomenal player phenomenal um but but you weren't going to coach fabio the same way you'd coach me it actually probably coach me grittier and harder and you would coach fabio very different way because he was very very mentally tuned in like it was always about sort of the whys of it but he was a better player than i was so it was just interesting um and then i hear a lot sometimes that, that they say women can't take it for me, I know I took it as a yeah. college player and as a coach, I'll, I'll dish it out because I know they can't take it. They, you know, it, it, when it's, when it's required, when mm-hmm. it's needed, the demand, the, 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 the you got to get stuck in, you got to go shoulder to shoulder. You got to shield that ball. I, I built my career on physical play. So yeah. when I hear that women can't take it, that's harder for me to swallow because I'm like, no, I've, I've not only lived the life, yeah, um, but I, I coach the life and these women, they, they can ball. And I think that's something that men, uh, when they see it, they're like, wow, I didn't know it was this way. I, I, uh, I was going to say I'm married to an absolutely crazy competitive person. <laughs> Who had a phenomenal, so, f- yeah. phenomenal soccer. One of the best at Plattsburgh State yeah, in history. So, so I, yeah. I kind of look at that. Like there's stuff that she does and like <laughs> she's, she's such a nut. She, like there's one time we were doing, we were at the gym. They were doing this thing for Memorial Day, which included like a lot of reps and running and stuff. So she's like, go drive that way. And I'm like, okay. So we're like leaving. She goes, like, stop there. She goes, I puked right there. And you could see it. I'm like, why did you stop me? Oh she was like, I was just running and I just like threw up. And I'm like, I've never thrown up ever working out. So like uh, our level of like intensity, like I'm like, I'm good. And she's like, and I'm like, well, who are you competing against? And she's like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. The I'm drive like, to be the best. She, she has it, right? Yeah, she it's amazing. Like a, she's, she's the most competitive person I've ever met. And I think it's Love the, her for, for us. 
It's amazing. Uh, it's crazy. But I, I had to share this just so you know. So when I was at Rutgers, my first coach got fired. And uh, so our, the men's coach, his name was Bob Riasso at the time. He's now an athletic director. He had coached very successfully the men's program at Rutgers. They had won the Big East a year before. So they asked Bob, while well, we're looking for a coach this spring, will you coach the women's team? And so he coaches us through the spring. And at the end, he literally makes this announcement. He's like, I just want to tell you all what an absolute pleasure this has been. He goes, I'm going to be honest with you. When they said coach the women, I was like, women? He's like, I had never <laughs> coached women. He At that point, he'd been coaching over 20 years. He said, I can't believe how much I enjoyed it, how hard you work, how demanding I could be and that. And he goes, and I honestly think you listen better. <laughs> and he goes, I, if I could do both, I would, but they won't let me do both. And I think when I saw, here's this guy who's only been in men's soccer yeah. and boys soccer and years and years, I was like, I think that's it. When you do, once you do both, you really see these similarities yeah. and these crossovers of getting players to do the th same thing. But here he was realizing how demanding he could be of us, where when he walked in, he thought, well, these women just be sad. And he came to learn it was total opposite. What about the, because um, I know this is kind of a hot topic, or at least it was last Women's World Cup was like the, the was it, I guess, the compensation or pay of like men's versus women's soccer. And I've, this was I was actually having a conversation. The women's soccer in the U.S. is the best in the world. Men's soccer, we're working on it. You yeah, know, we're it's working like, on it. We're working, we're working on, on it. We'll, we'll yeah. be back yeah. at some point. But we're it's coming. Like, we're coming. So you take these two sports that – and I've heard the – of course, I came from the argument of like, well, if there's more viewership here and you know, the money and the sponsorships are here because the eyeballs are here. And then I, 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 I talked to um, – so I'll tell you off air, but a mutual um, – so, very soccer knowledgeable person and they they kind of had some really good points the opposite way so i mean where do you guys find like u.s soccer um because obviously that's the upper echelon of our you know national yeah. national sport um in regards to you know whether it be compensation whether it be i don't know if the training's different i don't i don't, I don't understand like i again i'm not really in that but is there is there a very glaring weakness between uh the i guess uh, what the women have in regards to support or in coming to whether I don't know if it's talking about like all the extras that you get, not just the coaches, but the extras with like, you know, the trainers and and the doctors and the physical, like the the funding and everything else versus the men's soccer. Is there much? Is there a big difference still? Because obviously that was a big like talking point at the last World Cup, at least. I know for the women's side. Yeah, well, right? I think when you look at, like, women just started, obviously, so much later, right? Yeah. You're talking about the Men's World Cup and how long it's been around. I mean, I'm an Italia fan through and through, and when they won in, what was it? 06? Uh, yeah, no, but that was their recent one. I mean, they oh, two of two of their first were in 1930s. So okay. in the 1930s, I think it was a 32, 36. So here they are. That was the first two uh, Italian World Cup championships, and here then, then they went 82 in 2006. But why I say that is like then the women started so late and so when they talk about the women's team in the 90s with like michelle akers and some of those at the forefront april heinrichs they were barely getting anything yeah. i think now it's certainly evened out in terms of you know equipment gear travel uh availability to trainers doctors psychologists etc coaching's phenomenal the the thing that i think u.s soccer 
they had just been working on our men sort of being able to compete at the world stage for so long that that's where their money, their drive, and their focus went. What they didn't anticipate is is what I'm guessing, is that our women were going to do so well and then sort of be at the forefront of the women's game, which didn't exist till really recently, if you think about in terms of the last 50 years. So when I look at that discrepancy, I think it's just the U.S. soccer's failure to recognize because competition is uh, you know or or training's the same Mm -hmm. uh demand is the same but the world game is just better developed on the men's side obviously just simply for duration and and culture and societal right so now the women are getting there but the u.s soccer for in my opinion have to jump on board with the same drive and support to keep us a powerhouse number one almost double down on your I 100% on your success. Now keep working on the men because I'm a huge fan of the men's side and I want them to compete. And I was, I I mean, U.S. played Italy, you know, and here I was like torn. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do you do? You know, so you have that. I mean, I want the men to succeed through and through. I think U.S. soccer just sort of has to recognize why women are behind and it's not because of them. Mm-hmm. It's because yeah. society didn't have them playing for quite some time. So, can we put our money on them as well? Basically, like you're saying, one, one of the coolest sporting events I've ever went to. We went when they had it in '15 up in Montreal. Yes, we went to two oh. games. The first game, and this was actually it was kind of cool. This was my first. Me and Gina was our first year, I think, together. And we went up a couple times. It was like our date night was to go up and watch a World Cup. Which, soccer. by the way, great date night. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we had so much fun. We went, we went up to a lot to Montreal that year just for like concerts and, and Love games. It. Love it. So our first game we went to was the Netherlands versus Canada. And you're talking in Montreal. It was, and I went, I, I went, I've been to Olympic Stadium dozens and dozens of times. So I was a Montreal Expos fan, huge Montreal Expos fan, and they left in '04. I, I haven't really been back until that point. So to go back was cool, but it was packed. And it was U.S. versus the Netherlands. and Or sorry, no, no, so it was Canada versus the Netherlands. And it was just jam-packed with people. And it was so cool to see a World Cup in the country, watching the country's team play it. Then we were lucky enough that we went to the semifinal game with the U.S. versus, I believe, Germany. Germany. We were at yes. that game. Oh, did yes. you go? Okay. We went there. And oh, then, which, phenomenal. Well, then, which, I've one, I've never... It's never taken me that long to go through the border. Number two, we left almost four hours before the three hours before the game. We got in twenty minutes during the game. The game had already passed for twenty minutes. It took us three and a half hours to get up to the game from an hour away because it was just packed. And I just remember, which was lucky, it was zero zero at the time. Yeah. And we watched, we watched the entire game, and that was one of the coolest sporting events I've ever been to. Yeah. And then Carly. Scored yeah. the game winner. Oh, gorgeous. It was, it was a PK, but it was on. We were up in the top on right. That, I know exactly which side. So she was like. shooting on the net we were at. And, oh, and then uh, Alex Morgan went, got tripped, got the PK, and then Carly took it. Now, um, Shay, so you were at the game, right? We were, we were actually at that side, too, where the PK happened, but on the left. Right. No, we were actually on the. So the she's far shooting PK. left for you or right? No, she's shooting. That was on our right. We were a little oh, further. Down. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we were, we were up higher than you. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, are you sure? Because we felt pretty hot. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but so how one, one? How cool was that to go watch the World Cup soccer, especially the women's soccer team in the semifinals? Which I was, I kept watching the brackets, and it had to be where were they seated. So I'm like, they're either playing in Vancouver or here. I'm like, I pray to God they're. It was going right. Remember as soon that? As, as soon as they made it. I remember me and Gina were pumped because we want, we didn't miss a game. We watched every game of theirs. And all of a sudden, they, we found out they were going to play in Montreal because we already had tickets. Like We bought tickets to the semifinals, and we were so excited that it was going to be the U.S. team. Yes. Gina had the jersey. and she Can't was, get any better than that. Bro. No. And yeah. So how was I guess how was it seeing Carly be on the team and 
What was it like playing with her? Because you said that she was a freshman when you were a senior. A yeah, graduate? so I was a, I was a graduate student. I had a medical redshirt from a knee injury my junior year. So I, I graduated in four years, came back as a grad student, and to to be told, I was already going to law school. So it was really about taking grad courses to play. I mean, plain yeah. and simple. So they called me the grandmother team. I was a captain, and she was a freshman. And when they came in, they had a bit, good, good, really good freshman class that year. So yeah, she was she was on it. So that was was that kind of surreal to watch her like on the team. Like obviously you knew she was a good talent at that Definitely. at that point, but then she ended up going to play. And I'll be honest, she was. Did she get the player of the tournament that year? Yeah, yes. Like she would have had to because the yeah. final, she scored like four goals in two minutes. Yeah, like, I mean, when it was she just did, one of those like half shot, half field Incre- shots. Incredible, incredible. So how was it, I guess, watching her play and then watching her at the game winner, knowing, like, I guess personally knowing her, at least at some point. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we keep in touch just like uh, on Facebook and uh, and we had just our one season together. As, yeah. I was the grandma of the team. Um, I was the older, on the older end. But I mean, everything goes to just to her credit how much she works I mean, because she's she's obviously very super talented as an 18 year old had already been on on the u20 national team I mean, she had been in the pool for quite some time but i think seeing her commitment her development because she had been playing at the national level for a while but really exploded she that was, year she was like old at that she became yeah, she became you know, like a household name yeah. Um, a few years before when, you know, she had those incredible goals and you're watching Mm -hmm. and she's like, she's just performing amazingly and really just uh, to know her and how much she had already committed to the game Mm -hmm. and even coming in as an 18 year old that she's already playing overseas. The game was her life and it still is. And that's where she, she's, I just almost like she's earned and and deserves every portion she's gotten as a former teammate you're just you're just feeling the Rutgers love and pride, and you're so excited say, for her. It's like here you get the U.S. national team, and then she's a Rutgers. Then you get the Scarlet like, Knight, yeah. and you're just like you're just. And I mean, for me, I was just thrilled. I was so thrilled for her. I I felt lucky to have played with her because you're watching a former teammate do these incredible things, yeah. becoming FIFA World Player of the Year, and you're just like unreal but she's like i said for her work ethic and everything she's put into the sport it blows your yeah. mind and i think that's what's underestimated yeah. for young people these days when you you want to be lebron but wow how much has lebron done you want to be carly lloyd it's the same thing they the these thing? Days, you don't you don't see how many hours and early mornings and all the, the grind that they go through and, and it, you gotta you, you got a glimpse of it as a college player say, you, you probably see one percent of their exactly. life of soccer and exactly which is cool like I guess it's just kind of neat to know them like before they were a household name and right. then kind of see them like that's cool like the you know it's kind of a little extra special that's um, it you get so, excited for them you're so excited for them because you're just like wow they deserve it, it. where, where is she fun. originally from she's from Jersey from from oh. South Jersey okay I was wondering how she got yeah, to Rutgers so I'm like, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good, good trying to think of her home um, is it Delran I think it's in South Jersey, Delran, New Jersey. I'm almost positive. But it's a good pickup for Rutgers then. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got to tell you, that talent in New Jersey, half our team was from New Jersey, half the team was from everywhere else. And you're like, they've got some good soccer in Jersey. But even before Carly, I mean, some of these just PDA, phenomenal PDA players. PDA over there is big. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Uh, oh, it's a club? Yeah, it's a club, yeah. PDA soccer club. Okay. And uh, um, my assistant coach, uh, when I played, is now the head coach at Rutgers uh, for women's soccer. And he's also one of the directors of PDA. I mean, again, just incredible talent. He's amazing. You know, just all of the above. You're like, wow, where do they grow these? I remember going to Rutgers going, where do they grow these kids? Yeah. Uh, you know, know. So, yeah. Uh, so that was even, yeah, pre- early days. So um, last couple topics for you guys. Um Social media, I, I I'm big in social media with our our world, but I'm I'm very impressed by the level of social media that you guys do. And the cool thing is, 
for the most part, Plastic State has a decent social media presence across the board. But I find you, you guys put a little extra like pizzazz into it. And <laughs> when you talked about like the music Mondays, and I've seen you guys, you know, the woman do like the little their dance like choreography dance things, and um, the the takeovers for the day, which I think is really cool. And especially during COVID, it was fun to watch some of the girls, you know, training. Like there, was, I remember watching like one girl like bench pressing down in like her basement and doing some st- drills and stuff down there, and it's. Um, so from a social media aspect, how have you found, does that come easy to both of you or who runs, is that, who runs more? Is it kind of a, like a, a collab with the two? And then, um, obviously you're coming up in a, in a world, which I think this will help you because you know, a lot of the girls that you're recruiting coming in are on their phones and on social media. And then they kind of have a way to connect with Plastic State and it kind of makes you have a little bit more maybe popularity than some other schools just from that. Like, wow, I've, I've almost grown up watching this team over especially they've been recruiting me so i follow them and then i see what they're doing they're having fun and they're showcasing what i try to do with our companies have not just real estate but show a personality to the agents and show the so for you show personality to the players and really uh promote them and and kind of the culture of the of the team um so do you guys spend a lot of time Planning that, prepping that, is that, I mean, is that a big focus for you? Um, how has that evolved since going in? And obviously you came in at the early stages of Instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe the social media <laughs> aspect of Plattsburgh and beyond. So I guess just kind of speak on that a little bit. Yeah, I think a, a lot of it I handle it. Tanya, of course, she oversees some other stuff. Like if you want to do something. I put hashtag I, old yeah. lady on most things. Cause <laughs> <laughs> if it was done by you, posted by Tanya. If it was posted by me, hashtag old. No, I, I should yeah. if I do. I come <laughs> up with a lot of ideas and I run it by her to see what, you know, do we want to do this? Like the the Instagram takeover, I, I, of course, I follow all the programs to see what they do because mm-hmm. I think that's what everybody does too. So so many great, like just Division 1, 2, 3, great yeah. ideas. Great so ideas. So I think, like you board. said, I think nowadays a lot of kids, they do follow the program. They want to see, like, what do they do there type of thing just seeing what you know like the, those takeovers are great for even those incoming kids there's a lot of kids that especially 2021 they have so many questions about the recruiting prospect so a lot of the time at the end of every takeovers or girls like open it up to any question they have so i think and they've been doing a great job answering those questions for these young high school players that's trying to get recruited that's either trying to come here or just trying to get general information just for college, soccer in general. So I think a lot of it is like, it's just like showing what we do as a team. And because we have a lot of great young women, like we don't force them to do any of those things. We just open up to the team. And there's like, some of them didn't want to do it after they did. It was like, oh my God, I love this. Like, I would love to do more Instagram takeover. Instagram takeover. I think that's something that's good. Like you said, nowadays, like the modern days of how to recruit more people and then just showing them like this is all program this is what we do and yeah and whatever we do in that from that instagram page is exactly how we are so if you do come in into our family it's nothing is different we're not trying to sell something that we're not really doing yeah, so. if we're dancing we're like really dancers yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is so true I, by the way some are good some are so, so, so. now yeah we can't necessarily all dance the same but yeah. uh we certainly try and that's what's important well, well it's the uh, i think it's just having like you said the fun and and Bringing in like personality, not just making it soccer because the season's long. It's it stressful. It's like you know, if you're in the playoffs, you're not in the playoffs. You got to win a big game. Um, you know, I think there's a there's having some light moments to a sport allow you know allow players just to kind of relax a little bit, and I think taking their mind off of some stuff. And even if like 
the goofy dances. Well, all of a sudden, it gets her mind off of soccer. Maybe yeah. they're focused on choreographing this this <laughs> dance that has nothing to do with soccer. Exactly. But, but it just gets her mind kind of but like... But it's maybe, funny, too, with them. Everything that we do, is it's funny. It becomes competitive anyway. Yeah. it's Like, even the dance of they want to win it. They want to make sure they have the best choreographic and stuff like yeah, that. So yeah. it's fun as a coach to just sit back and just see them just trying having to get creative and having fun yeah. with it and... Yeah. I I, th- I just think it's I think it's so important and I, I, that's why I like the social media aspect because I follow it a lot I I probably like most of them because they always pop up on my feed <laughs> the interaction of it and the, the algorithm but it's it's cool to see just the personalities off the field and I, I find some of the more fun ones to actually look at are the ones that they're just acting goofy versus you know maybe a, a still of them playing soccer which is what they do but it's like we want to see the funny stuff you know oh, and, and there's so much funny the stuff so I mean, I think, yeah. uh, I'm sure you have some good personalities on the oh, team oh amazing the, and they're the, the, and the I mean they're hilarious one, the spring one we do this spring we didn't get to do one but you know the annual spring which one are you? What, when what? they dress up, like we pick like a nice. Oh, we'll pick a theme. So you, I think you know, like this, we'll do like a, he's actually from the university. And so that many years ago, but we'll do a three V three tournament and you dress up as a theme. So like, it might be like Disney movies or oh. like, uh, oh, pick yeah. a band from the decade or, and they go all out and then they play <laughs> they in up. that outfit. So it's, I think nothing makes me laugh when one team did like eighties aerobics and they're playing in these like, headbands like, and He's really super bright, like sort of leopard print. You know, it's I, hysterical. I find that, and this is the experience, I find that soccer players don't take themselves that serious. I think yeah. they're just kind of like fun-loving, goofy. Because again, it's kind of a, it's a fun sport. It's kind of it's like a, a sport where you just, like you said, there's a lot of creativity to it. And I think it takes a certain type of person to kind of go in. And um, I, I think it's a cool sport where it's just, it's just a different... Like you get like people have the hockey culture and you have the football culture and the basketball culture. I find soccer has their own culture and it's just kind yeah, of a, yeah. a fun sport. Even though I, I don't know, I, I I love soccer, man. I think it's just one of those fun. Uh, I don't know, it's a cool sport. No, we're right, right there. We're right there yeah. with you. Well, and I and I think when I, you mentioned it earlier, it's it's the world's game. I think for a reason, you, yeah. you don't need much yeah. to play. And some of the best players that have ever played this game came from nothing. And I think that's one of the most special parts when you think about it. Anybody can play it. You don't need hundreds and hundred dollars worth of equipment. Like literally a ball made of whatever. Uh, sometimes you got no shoes. Sometimes you have them. Like, I mean, my father grew up in Italy playing in like dirt fields by his house in a small town in, in uh, central southern Italy. So, I mean, I think that's the coolest part. You could do it anywhere. And like you said, maybe also the difference is uh, that passion that goes throughout the world for it is so cool and maybe gives that love to it too. Well, I, uh, one of my... Some of my best memories as a kid is backyard soccer. Where it's like, okay, take your shoes off. Those are your goals. Oh, Come down and phenomenal, soccer. phenomenal. And, and what I find is back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think kids do this enough anymore. But it's the backyard soccer of three v three, and you throw you throw shoes down. You really don't have any out of bounds. It's yeah. just kind of like you just eh, like you know honor system. But it's the idea that you learn to move without the ball. You learn how to shield. You learn how to use space in your body. And talk about creativity or three v three having some fun. Because all of a sudden Absolutely. it's like three v three. It's like you have a couple options. Their yeah. options are limited, so the kids have to move without the ball. And it's you, I just find you learn so much about the game just on a, a quick whim of. Hey, it's a summer night at seven o'clock, and we're with our buddies. Let's just throw some shoes down and play. Oh, there's a ball. Let's. And of course, I grew up. There's always a ball somewhere. I mean, That's it. You come from Chazy, you have a soccer ball. Yeah, Chazy's got great, like just such great, like a uh, history for soccer. Well, yeah, you just 
I don't know, Franzi, when you were first came to, my family had a restaurant for 29 years, so uh, an Italian restaurant. I, I, our, go figure. Our, our, our last name. Or, or, or are, you, I kept, are you good off the record? Are you a good cook, Italian cook? I think I'm decent, Franz. Yeah. I mean, you got to give the feedback. Yeah. I can't say it. She's a yeah. good cook. Okay. I could cook, but but okay, as well as ahead. my parents, no. Okay, no, absolutely yeah. not. My father was the chef, uh, the head chef, but an owner. But like, so we had this, this restaurant, Armelino's, 29 years. So we would do Thanksgiving at Armelino's. Armelino's was closed, but we, we had a lot of people. So you would, my father would literally turn the dining room into a Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know when Franzi first came to our first Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know if you did, but we used to play, because again, it's soccer family. So we would play in the parking lot. And, and like one team would be chef coats. <laughs> one team wouldn't. It's November. Yeah. Any reason to play, this would be July 4th picnics. If we could, and if we weren't able to play, if it was snowing, it was like a foosball tournament. Like anything that like got you rolling. But like you said, the creativity, the celebration. Yeah. I can't remember, Franz, your first Thanksgiving, we got out in the parking lot or not. <laughs> but people thought we were lying until you experienced it. And it was like, okay, when are we going to play? We got to play. It's like, so like. You play before you eat? Uh, we would, well, there's always, it's a course. Like, so you eat for 10 hours. Yeah. So like you, and, and, and you don't think it's real until you live it. You're like, oh no, it's really, it's real. (laughs) So it's like appetizers, which are just go for days. And then you settle a little bit and get outside because you didn't want to hit the turkey because then you were done. Or the 14. It's like, yeah, yeah. my father, then they'd have probably about five courses. It was pretty hilariously sad. You should never eat that much. But, (laughs) but the playing always at least got us pumping and you'd suddenly be just, wearing hilarious like makeshift outfits because you were dressed up originally and and sure enough that was Franzi I think got in on those with the family I got in for sure but like to your point right those 3v3s those backyards those that's the stuff I remember that's what drives my love of the game it was it was always playing with the family well you said the celebration too it's like nothing's on the line it's just bragging rights it's just a jab your buddy at the you know like I beat you and so I think you kind of that's where the fun comes out of it and you said like just the passion um last uh Last question from a soccer perspective. What's your hope for the future with a program? I mean, you guys have you've spent six years at this point building up. And now, I mean, you've gotten to the point. You you have kind of a, a real rock base to start from. Like, where where do you see in regards to recruiting? Obviously, SUNYAC Championship is probably the next big thing 100%. that's on the radar. And so I guess going forward, where, where, where's, your, where's your mindset to, for the growth of the program? I mean, 100%. If I could, and Franz, you take it. From from but we've wanted the SUNYAC championship. We've wanted it. We've fallen short. We've we've been in the top four for the last five consecutive years. We've uh, gone on to the semifinals all five of those years. We went on to the finals in 2017, and yet the championship eludes us. So we uh, um, we're, we're going to definitely want that number one. But for me, it's even beyond that. Like I love that we one of our main goals was let's establish ourselves. Uh, hopefully, and we're viewed as this. One one of the best teams in the SUNYAC, one mm-hmm. of the toughest teams to play against. I mean, that's what we wanted because SUNYAC, I think, is a wonderful conference, a lot of talented teams. So we wanted that for Plattsburgh and to say, okay, yeah, good, it's going to be a good game today, right? Uh, and and that we would have that, and the and the team would feel that, and, and our opponents would feel that. But then we want to, you know, the in the entire history of Plattsburgh State, they've only ever won it once in 1998. So we are ready to kind of bring it back yeah. and and want that. And then beyond that would be to be the, one of the best con, uh, consistent teams in the region. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of phenomenal t- schools in our region. And so that means going to the NCAAs. So not only winning, but 
if, if you don't win that conference or whether you do or you don't, or you get in an at-large bid, or does the region see you as a premier team? I think Plattsburgh can absolutely do it. I believe it to my core, and I definitely want it. But Franz, I mean... Is there anything I'm missing? Because we talk about it quite yeah. a bit. Galen, if you couldn't it's see. like the vision talk, board. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. We have the yeah. vision board. Uh, yeah. It's always up here yeah. too. But yeah, anything I'm missing, Franz? I think that's exactly how we feel. And we've been fortunate and lucky. And even like we haven't hit that NCAA champion, I mean, tournament yet. Or haven't won it. But individually, there's a lot of great players we've been, we have coached. So we only like sometimes one play away or one play away from making it happen. And I think we just gotta like we still want to win the whole thing. Yeah. Like yeah. Tanya said they only won it once, so I think even though we haven't done th- that yet, but I think we still get that respect from the conference. Well, it's a, you from think- the region in terms of like even Kirsten was a sophomore; she was first team or region. Like they don't give that to anybody. So we have a lot of great players on our team. I think we almost over that. Bump. We just want to, yeah. Yeah, we just want to yeah, make it happen. <laughs> and- well, I think it's like it's it's the process of getting there because yeah. I I find this like. Anything you do, it's if you were just to get, like all of a sudden you showed up and you won the first year, like okay, great. But like, I think there's a lot to be said from taking a program, again, a good program. But you know, you've Plattsburgh's won one one championship. It's like, how do we go from going from there to establishing ourselves as the as the team? Like when exactly. they think Suniac soccer, they think Plattsburgh State. Exactly. You know, and, and that's I mean, and again, the, the hard part is you're playing against nine other schools that have the exact same goal. So Absolutely. it's like, how do you get that leg up, and how do you? establish yourself as not the top four team but the top two or one team every right. year right um or get that you know that number one seed get the bye and you know like we're at least going to host you're, the championship yeah one one yeah we just got to win and we're there and one and two and you're you're just going right into the semis absolutely you like you said so, consistently bet that and, top and then, two well then you get like you said that player of the year the rookie of the year you start getting these little small victories that are like okay we're doing the right stuff we're on the right path and then it's just a matter of time i think i think if you're kind of in the right direction doing the right things a lot of it's you break through you kind of are like chipping out that rock and finally it just it opens up and like, that's yes, it this is it that's so, it um because that's as they can say uh yeah i mean it, it's one of those things i think i used the wrong word before in describing it but yeah i mean it's it's just escaping us is probably the best way yeah. and and, and i think it comes from culture and belief and i look at like a geneseo that's been a prominent top one or two in the last five years and I always talk to Coach Aaron. He's like, "Yeah, we've worked. You start. You he's worked really hard and done a great job of establishing that culture. And that's what it really comes. I think when it's going to be that internal based and that leadership based of like, we want to consistently believe that we can yeah. and not have it evade us. And like you know, like that we are going to be one of those top two. So we're fighting for it. I mean, yeah. and we tell our women all the time. I don't think anyone believes more than us. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're 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 hoping to, to get there. And, and last question for you guys, which is. A little more lighthearted, but um, probably more close to the heart. How is parenting in regards to coaching and uh-huh. soccer? Because we're, we're both we're all new parents. I mean, um, yeah. um, and I'm saying right, Zavi. Yes, yeah, I'm three for three. I'm great. You're doing I, I, this is, amazing. Yeah, and we don't give you these easy ones, Franzi, <laughs> no, no. Zavi, yeah, brother Fabio. So, Zavi is <laughs> X A V I, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, and it's Zavi Alonzo was the old soccer. Is, am I saying right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, and they and it's it's funny. They say it in Spain. My mother's from Spain. It's, it's, so it's different. Than they say Xavi, but Xavi. we we just were like, if we give an X and tell people it's supposed to be a C H, it's just unfair in the U S. So maybe that's why I had a hard time because I think it was Xavi Alonso because I just remember the name from Real Madrid. Right, he was a 
Is that who am I thinking well, of? Well, we were, we were doing... Uh, um, or am I thinking of a different player? Yeah, because, uh, uh, what do you call uh, Barcelona, Xavi, and he played on the, uh, men's, the, Spain the Spain, team. Spanish national oh, team. Bar- okay. So, Barcelona. And yep. he uh, um, and we loved him. We loved how he played. Uh, and so it was a center midfielder, Center right? midfielder. Yeah, center yeah. midfielder. So maybe I'm thinking of the wrong... Okay, right, but there's a, right there's guy, a, wrong team. But, the, but there's... No, but it, I was just going to say, but not to say that it's not... It, yeah, Xavi it, Alonso is also a Spanish midfielder. Absolutely. Okay, maybe that's you're fine. not a, you're not wrong. By the yeah. way, can he go by either? That's fine. I mean, <laughs> you can play like either one of them. We'll it's a, I mean, it's a cool name because I come from a soccer family. That's it's like, it. He's like, sorry, kid. Like you, you're going to be yeah. named after yeah. some kind of a soccer that, player. That's it. So yeah, we went with Savi because we thought that just might be easier, even an X sounding like a Z. But that's what we did because my mom, we had to. We thought, well, if he's going to have a Haitian last name, got to get a Spanish Italian first how, name. How, how old is he? Just turned just two turned on two. Saturday on the 11th. Oh, okay. well, happy, yeah. happy birthday, uh, Zabi. <laughs> but the uh, so yeah. So how how is it as new parents? I mean, it's, I love having kids. I mean, it's great. But obviously, like it's it's different. And you're coaching, yeah. and it's like how does that tie in? And is he already playing soccer? Yeah, <laughs> kicks a lot of stuff. I don't know if he knows yeah. what he's playing, but he's kicking it. Yeah, he's kicking everything. Kicking man. everything. Uh, I mean, I think in the beginning. Um, it was a lot. I mean, uh, we went back to work when he was five weeks old. So um, not knowing what day it is was probably the nicest <laughs> way to put it, uh, being completely honest. Yeah. And uh, and just going, okay. You know, because you want to be there so badly for your team and say, hey, we're all in. But obviously, you've just had this complete life-altering, oh, yeah. incredible miracle. So we were just thank goodness i think in it together yeah. so it became a family affair right from the get you know they get the uh the team threw us a baby shower before he oh, arrived yeah, yeah, they yeah. were want to hold him and be with him and so you know we kind of hit the ground running having no idea which we still don't but i think it was get being together and, and franz tell me if you disagree yeah, helped yeah. us be able to do it yeah. Because you're you're you've got the head coach, the associate head. You he's in the field house with a babysitter. Um, the team's going to visit. I mean, it was really just this sort of family. Well, he's a crowd from favorite the start. at games. He's definitely a crowd favorite. <laughs> sure, so. he's just on the sideline. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think Franz, would you say the same for yeah, us? It just changes a lot of things, but it's it's always fun though. You just get to be with him. You know, wins and loss, getting to you know see him afwards oh, after surprised. the game. Him running into the field is just, just like we puts look it on perspective this, a little yeah. bit. It does. Yeah. It, ke- it yeah. keeps it. And and I, I mean, yeah, and you know it, right? Any yeah. parent does. It's it's utter joy. Yeah. And then to be blessed to have a team that loves him oh, and, yeah. and wants where's Avi? Is he coming? Is he yeah. coming now? You know, uh I can watch him coach anytime. You know, I think oh, you got a lot of babysitters. One hundred percent. How lucky are we, right? Yeah. So uh but being with Franzi and us being together and and just a total shout out to Mike Howard and Melissa Lemaire and Plattsburgh State Athletics. They believe in family, they support us, they yeah. so I mean yeah. to be able to keep Zavi by the fields with a babysitter like around and everybody just embracing him and uh, Taylor Sullivan at the field. I was like, just amazing. Like we're so lucky yeah. in that way. Like I said, became a, a family affair to have him be with us. And I don't know. I don't think I've ever felt so lucky. Yeah. He's a cute little guy. So, Thanks. Um, and he's playing, he's obviously playing soccer now, right? But I've, I've yeah. seen him. I mean, I've seen him on the doing little dribbles on the Instagram Yeah. He video kicks again. everything again. I don't know if he knows, but know. he certainly enjoys like, Really giving his all when he's I, kicking everything inside. I, I think uh, I, I'm hoping. Oh, well, actually, we didn't even. I don't want to go too much longer for you guys, but we even talk about the COVID situation with like in regards to are you going to play this year? And um, 
I guess we don't have to get too much into that, but I'm hoping you guys play this year because I'd like. We do too. I, I think uh, you know we'd like to go watch the games, and and my crew is. You know he loves soccer, so oh, he's, so he's the oh he's I'm, the best. And yeah, you know so, he's going to be quite. Let's be honest, he's going to be a good player. He, he's yeah, he, he's, <laughs> he's coordinated, and which is a, you can't teach coordination. So yeah. like we're lucky he's coordinated, oh. but hopefully, seen him move. I've seen him move. He's yeah, great. And he's he, great. Uh, his his biggest thing is he loves going out in the field. So usually um, towards the end, when everybody's kind of off the field, he kind of somehow breaks on the field and i think last year he stole one of your soccer balls oh yeah and dribbled it to the net and it's never a steal if you're gonna if you're gonna go put it in <laughs> yeah, that's fine go that's score, fine. <laughs> so, and, and we joke we're uh well oakland is one so oh, if she's anything like gina which she's kind of starting to you can see mannerisms you can that, see it it's happening some, so we'll take her so told, as soon as she's ready I, I told i told gina i said someone's gonna break your records and it's gonna be that little one right and, there, and so. we're okay and we're okay but then it's <laughs> yeah. all right because you're, yeah, you're gina, related like, to the well, record breaker yeah she so it, it's fun but i'm hoping that um you guys play because i'd like to have the kids that they, oh, they, they'll entertain Zavi, each just, other and just we'll give them just roll a soccer ball down by the sideline and they're old enough now right to just have some fun and that that i think that's where we think about because obviously we're in this crazy strange time and like I said not to get too much into it but that outlet for everyone to just be together on the field and if we can be socially distant and safe of course number one but I mean even if fans can stand socially you know just something where we can get out and be together again I think is what everybody's kind of craving I know for our women it's just like could we have a season that'd be amazing you know so they're they're pretty excited at the prospect normalcy so yeah yeah um well we'll we'll stop there um I like I said we'll we'll, uh I I appreciate you guys both coming on but um this season I know this coming year may or may not happen or is being kind of broken down and it's kind of changing by day so um if anybody would like to know more make sure that they follow along instagram i think that's where i get most of my information we'll you put guys it up. Are, yeah. we'll you put guys it up. are pretty good about <laughs> keeping everybody updated we'll put that up. yeah um, and what, what's the handle for your the, the woman's soccer team uh it's cardinals underscore w socks w s o c okay perfect so and we'll, we'll tag it on the show notes and stuff so Thanks. people can follow you guys that's but, awesome um well thank you for coming on again that's tanya and Franci, and hopefully uh like i said long-term soccer uh Plattsburg state people here so yeah, um, i'm glad you guys us. are embracing the uh, the red and white and uh there's a lot of uh like i said I, I don't i guess i don't say it often but like i graduated there my wife did and i know a lot of people that have so it's kind of a, a big a big uh a big centerpiece of our community is is you know Plattsburg state and yeah. you know i Obviously, we love soccer, so that's that's great too. So, um, but no, I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, check it, check out the Instagram account to follow all things Plastic State Women's Soccer. Go support them; it's a it's a great time, especially if we get in one of those nice October days. Yeah, let's get it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we wish you guys well in the next season. Hopefully, we bring that SUNYAC title. Home. Thank you so Thank much. You, Thank, Thank you for having us. It's Thank awesome. You for Thank us. you. Cool. All right, that's all. Seventy eight Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.